This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, I can honestly say that in all the years that we've been doing radio here at WNSP, nothing has changed more from one show to the next than it did from Friday to Monday. I think we can all agree on that. We are not, we live in a very different world than we did on Friday. Welcome in a new week of the opening kickoff. Uh, for those that are watching their calendar, yes, you could probably mark down uh, January 16th tomorrow as the day that hell will freeze over. But until then, we are here in the studios of WNSP to talk about the... Uh, much different looking at Crimson Tide. Yeah. I'm Mark Detzley. Michael Bronner's in the house. It's Sports Radio 105.5 FM. The uh, Kalen DeBoer era is underway. He was introduced to the public, to the media on Saturday uh, with an 18-minute speech staring right down at Nick Saban, who had a front row seat with his wife, Terry. Yeah. I don't know if other members of the family were there. That must be kind of like, I don't know if you'd say intimidating, but you're talking to the public or to the media and to all the well-wishers and you're staring at the greatest coach of all time so we'll be talking about that we got a lot of guests who are going to comment on that from different angles as far as recruiting in this area uh i got john garcia is going to come on and and would ask him what kind of a recruiter because if you really look at washington's uh, recruiting classes they weren't very high let's say you know they weren't among top 20 top 30 but that nevertheless he went 14 and 0 until they got beat by michigan speaking about michigan what a year it's been for the state of michigan first of all the wolverines win the national title by the way their coach is going to interview with the chargers today and then the detroit lions yesterday win for the first time a postseason game in 32 years and of the four games so far it was the only one that was competitive it was the only one that was close it was 24-23 Detroit win, so they get another home game thanks to their counterpart in the NFC North, Green Bay, demolishing Dallas in one of the biggest takedowns I think I've ever seen in a, a playoff game. Dallas was 8-0 and at home this year, Mark, and they were down 27 to nothing before you could blink. Yeah, and now uh, speculation has quickly moved to who's going to be the next Dallas coach. You know, this speculation about Belichick is ridiculous. Can you try to see him working with Jerry Jones? Seriously? It's going to happen. Well, you think it is, but can it work? I remember when Bill Parcells was hired, okay, which basically, you know, those two were tied at the hip. That did not go well at all. Parcells, you know, you can only take so much, you know, interference if you're – you always been in charge of your own program. Belichick has been in charge of the Patriots program. You think he's going to come down there and take direction from Jerry Jones? Well, I think the Cowboys roster is kind of already built and ready to win. I mean, there's not a whole lot of stuff that needs to be done to it. It's so. Yeah, but he doesn't – it's not like he won't have any – I'm sure he'd have say on personnel, but not as much as he did. He's just been so, like, independent – 
You know, he doesn't he doesn't take orders from everybody. He gives out the orders. Jerry Jones runs that program, and it's pretty obvious why they haven't won a Super Bowl since, uh, well, Barry Switzer, but he won with Jimmy Johnson's players. So that's, that's certainly a story to follow. I've heard Belichick's name. I just... I don't know. I, I just can't imagine him working well with Jerry Jones. I can't Im- unless you're like a Jason Garrett, you're like an up and coming and you're thankful to have a job and be a head coach and take, you know, just be take orders, you know, just be like but, a, a sergeant taking orders from the colonel. But couldn't the uh, couldn't the reverse also true be true? Maybe maybe they just haven't had the the personality strong enough to butt heads. They had Parcells. Parcells, you can't much stronger than him. I don't know. I think Belichick could grab him around his throat and squeeze until uh, squeeze the life out of him if he wanted Bill, to. He just kind of looks like that guy. Bill Parcells is about as strong a personality as you're going to have, and that only lasted what I think it was like what two years or so until uh, Jones threw uh, Terrell Owens on him. But my, my point is, after all the guys that have come through, it's always been the same story, regardless of personality. So. I mean, quite frankly, Belichick makes as much sense as anybody. Like, give me another name. Like, there's everybody, everybody we mention, or anybody that uh, is mentioned, will will be, will will have the same issue with that franchise. Jerry Jones wants a puppet running that team. Bill Belichick is not a puppet. If he takes the job, fine. But I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps McCarthy. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised anything that Jerry Jones does these days. He wants a Super Bowl so badly. He wants to erase that stigma that with Jimmy Johnson out, that he can get it done. It hasn't happened. And I don't think it will as long as he and his son basically run that team. I don't think he's going to keep McCarthy. <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's out the window. I I guess the Falcons are pretty hotly pursuing Belichick as well, so we'll see what happens. So uh, Harbaugh will have an interview with the Chargers. A couple of uh, other notes. Uh, Isaiah Bonds leaves Alabama. He was the first. There's been a few that have left, but he's the most notable. He leaves, and he's going to Texas. He was heavily recruited by Sarkeesian before he decided on Alabama. So with Saban out, uh, Bonds going to take his talents to uh, Texas. And the two Michigan standouts, McCarthy and Corum, are turning pro. It's glad to see Carter Bradley's getting a senior bowl invite. Yeah, very cool. Anytime a South Alabama player gets a gets an invite, it's it's a big deal. And, and Jim Nagy has has made it very clear over the years. He doesn't just hand them out simply because they went to South Alabama. So uh, the kid earned it, and uh, I think that's a, a great thing for Mobile. Lots of basketball to report on the weekend. A huge weekend up at Auburn. Not only did the men's team, they beat LSU on Saturday, which was expected. They had, like, at one point, like, about a 28-point lead. It got whittled down to about nine or so. But Auburn wins. But yesterday, a near sellout, the biggest turnout for women's basketball at Auburn. They went over 7,000. The Auburn Tigers beat LSU, ending LSU's 16-game winning streak. Uh, they won 67-62, and that 62 points was the lowest LSU has scored in a game this year. We got lots of basketball today, Mark. It's Martin Luther King Day. There's a uh, doubleheader. Well, actually, more than a doubleheader. You got Alabama State and Alabama A&M at the Mitchell Center, uh, girls, guys. And then uh, BC Rain, I think, is playing Williamson over at the Mitchell Center, and then lots of games over at the Bishop State with uh, the the nightcap, I think, or let's say the, the final game being Baker and LaFleur. Yeah, so uh, plenty to get to today. Obviously, we're spending a lot of time on uh, the press conference. The Kalen DeBoer error is here. How do you guys feel about it? Uh, what's your reaction? 
not only to the hire, but how he present himself in the press conference. And and I think Lee and I felt I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. The only I had two negatives that came out of the press conference. One, I thought he spoke entirely too long, um, and it was a little boring. I ain't gonna lie. I was like, all right, let's wrap it up. One, two. Uh, am I the only one that kind of had a problem with Nick Saban being there? I feel like I like the idea that he was there to be supportive and the whole idea and help with the transition. Yet I feel like the story becomes Nick Saban's there and Miss Terry is are there. Um, not only that, Mark, but uh, and you they look happy. No, we talked about this beforehand. How much? With Saban having an office there, and the board doing the right things, you got to say the right things. You can't come come in. I know when Ray Perkins took over for Brian, he changed everything. Took the tower. He just did anything removed from Bear Bryant. So he says, "Look, uh, Nick's got a hundred percent to be included. Yeah. yeah, into this program. I don't know if that's really going to be the case. I, I think he was just saying the right things. Uh, another key here uh, with uh, the board taking over is that Ryan." Uh, Grubbs, I think the guy is, is that the uh, offensive coordinator at Washington? He's coming with them. Now, they had an exciting offense, no question about it, but he didn't get the uh, Grubbs didn't get the uh, Washington job. He got overlooked. Arizona's uh, Jed Frisch takes over there. So, a lot of the staff, this is, I'm more concerned right now from Alabama's standpoint. Much of that staff is Washington, uh, not Alabama, or let's say local. I think only – am I right about this, Michael? Only two, Roach and Gillespie, are staying, or are there more? So far. All right. And Traveris Williams left to go Robinson. to Georgia. Pardon? Robinson. Yeah, I'm sorry, Robinson. He left to go to uh, Georgia. So you only have two, and uh, many of the key recruiters – and, again, I don't know how Roach and Gillespie are, but I know when uh, Wiggins left and Robinson left and there was another one who left that was given a lot of credit – for recruiting so you know there's there's got to be that's you know to me he's a really good coach you look at his record i mean it's incredible uh only 12 losses ever nai in fresno washington but the key is getting players to come in and that was always the knocking about brian harson and i don't mean to lump them together but since they're both from you know way out of state so the key is getting you know getting to know the high schools recruiting and so forth and it just seems to me, and again, I don't know. We have to take a look to see what his entire staff's going to look like. Yeah. So on Robinson, um, there's some rumors being thrown around on Twitter that he may have interviewed again for the Alabama defensive coordinator job last night. Uh, I don't really know exactly what's going on there. It's a weird situation, but there's some things being thrown around that maybe he doesn't want the co-defensive coordinator job with Glenn Schumann at Georgia. I don't know. We'll see what happens. That situation uh, might not be over. How many uh, defensive coordinators do they have at Georgia? Well, the rumor is there that uh, Muschamp is taking an off-field role there. So, you know, I guess it would be the same situation between Schumann and Tavares Robinson. I mean, that was a move that, and credit to Kirby, you know, uh, step on your rival's throat while they're down and take their best recruiter and one of their better on-field coaches as well. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to stand. Obviously, he's kind of, you know, George already announced it. He changed his profile picture and stuff on Twitter already. But 
there is some stuff floating around that that might not stand. We'll see what happens there. Uh, that would be huge for Alabama and for uh, DeBoer uh, to land a local recruiter and a guy who was really responsible for the defense in large part last year. So we'll see what happens there. But on uh, on Saban being there, yeah, I mean, we talked about this on Friday, like how I think it's weird that Saban's going to have an office there. If it wasn't DeBoer, I kind of like Mark and I were in agreement. I thought that was odd. But now that it's a guy who's not from here, has no ties to the South, I, I don't really have a problem with it anymore. I think it can maybe turn into a good well, thing. Well, you can't just shove Nick out of campus if he wants to stay. Well, obviously, I you don't can't, mean shoving him out, him, but you like... You can't tell him, no, you can't have an office. If he wants to stay there, he means so much to the university. Uh, will he be in the shadow? He will always be in the shadow, at least for the first few years. You know that, no matter what. Even if he wasn't there, he'd be in the shadow because of his success. Again, it's what we talked about on Friday, like the potential for undermining DeBoer's authority or the new era he's trying to build. It, it, it's hard to start a new thing with Nick Saban hanging around, but I, I, can't I think ultimately it can be a good I thing. I can't see Saban do it, going out of his way to undermine him. I really can't. He he's just doesn't come across as that. He, you know, he's going to have other things on his plate, I'm sure. I, I mean, I. What well, here's the other thing, too. That this is going to be – you're going to have reporters going to Nick. Of course. Right? And that's where he's got to be careful that he doesn't undermine the program with things that he says – I, I, about what you know, DeBoer is doing. I I just think he's going to have hands off. But there's going to be the circumstances where, hey Nick, what do you think? You know, or a word gets out, or maybe maybe in closed circles, maybe in closed circles, he you know he's talking to friends and word gets out. That's where you could come on with the undermining. All right, so we're going to continue to talk about this. I just find I, I'm just wondering if there maybe was something there, right? It was revealed that he had two speeches, like Saban going into that team meeting. He realized it was five till he had to make that decision real quick. You look at Saban during the press conference, both he and Miss Terry are kind of sitting defensively, right? They've the body language, they've got their hands kind of, you know, folded, their arms are folded. Neither one are really smiling, at least in the spot in the in the ones the still frames in the video I saw. That would, now they didn't show him for the whole time, so they could have been smiling. I don't know. It just they. Well, it's very rare what happened, but the only reason it happened because that was Saban's decision. He didn't go out kicking and screaming. Usually, when a coach is relieved of his duties, they're gone. They're off right, the campus. Right. But this was a different circumstance. It's not it does not happen that often where a coach retires at his school and goes out on top and, and is going to stay there. We'll talk about it. Scoreboard traffic and weather next. We're off and running. Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5. And Detroit for the first time in 32 years. Your Lions have won a playoff game. 6:22. welcome back in. That right there was probably the only only drama of the NFL weekend, it right? It was, I yeah. mean, other than, than watching, you know, fans shovel snow in the stadium for 20 bucks a pop. Oh, and Dallas fans running into the stadium to get what I thought were their assigned seats. Oh, uh, is that what? I thought they were running out. Yeah. After they, they were trailing 27 to nothing. I mean, it, that was, that was probably, and very cool for Detroit. I mean, look, 
Man, is there not a better time to be a, a Detroit or a Michigan fan right now? I mean, look at what the Wolverines did, now the Lions. I mean, it, that was very cool last night. It really was. And I, I stayed up for most of that game. It was the only game of the four that were competitive so far. I hope we get better games today. Uh, I don't know, if Michael, if you could find the radio call of the Lions it's a classic where the guy goes, the radio announcer goes berserk. This is not at the end of the game. This is when they got the first down and then go into victory formation. But did you watch the four games, Michael? Yeah. What did you think? I thought three of the four were boring. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there was one close game of the uh, but the four. It was hard to debate. Uh, if there was one big takeaway from the four, two, uh, yikes. How about the meltdown, though, by Joe Flacco? Oh, Not yeah. one, but two yeah, pick sixes. Yeah, it was, it was and I'm watching there. the Texans, and I'm like, two pick sixes? Like, that game, I, I really thought I thought Cleveland. So here's what surprised me. If, if on Friday I said, where's the biggest route in Texas, Dallas over Green Bay or Cleveland over the Texans, and everything went in reverse? Yeah, uh, at least Flacco can go back to the retirement home. Two is uh, fighting for a second contract, and it's not good. Uh, I mean, the the Dolphins are never going to win in January with two. I mean, it's the same story with two, uh, same issues that it's been since kind of the early onset of his career. Yeah, I mean, he's been better. They surrounded him with talent, and it's been better. Uh, they were able to make the playoffs two years in a row. Obviously, last year he wasn't healthy, uh, but mm. It's I got to tell you, I was really impressed with Jordan Love. I hadn't really seen him much. I know he'd been playing well lately, but I'm telling you, his throws yesterday against the Cowboys, and the Cowboys had a really good defense, I thought, coming into the game, a defense, I thought, and they hadn't lost at home. Gosh, he made some great throws in that game. Jordan Love is very good. Jordan Love is very good. Uh, Adam Schefter reporting as of eight minutes ago, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh is meeting later today with the Los Angeles Chargers in his first interview of this hiring cycle. Citing league sources, a decision is not expected to be imminent for either side. Uh, he will uh, deliberate with any decision he makes about his future. There you go. So we'll keep an eye on things. And, yeah. and the Chargers are still going to go through their interview process. So. Sure, and I'm sure, yeah. And I'm now. I, I I thought you know his name was linked with the Raiders, but there's a. It looks like they may bring back Pierce, the interim coach. It looks like, right? No comment from Michael on this one. That I, I actually mean, I, might be onto something. I, I don't really know what they're going to do. I mean, Pierce was getting interviews from other teams, but yeah, the Harbaugh rumors now, were flying. I want to. I want to never know what that pull means. back on some. I would. I would really like to see Belichick go to Dallas because of the power struggle. I mean, it would be worth a story a day. I just can't see him. I just can't see him working for Jerry Jones. It wouldn't make any sense. Not only do you have to deal with Jerry Jones, you have to deal with Stephen Jones, who's I think the GM, isn't he, or something like that. Yeah, he's got some some pseudo title there. <laughs> yeah. So you're dealing with the the Jones family and, and and Parcells what is he 70 71? He's he's to me like, you know, he wants to be the man. He wants to be the power man. I don't I I can't, I don't see how that could work. It hasn't worked with that. Now the other coaches, you know, usually they like I said I meant they just bring in coaches to be a puppet, you know, and you, you do the stuff on the field, we'll tell you what's going to happen. I don't think Belichick's like that. I know he's not. We'll see what happens. Usually it's got his way with New England. It's certainly the best opportunity, roster-wise. More than Atlanta. Or, oh, yeah, from a roster, I agree with you there. Or is it? Why is it that Dallas 
pretty well when you get to postseason, can't get it done. I mean, we talk about teams that crumble. Miami, you mentioned Miami, which is true. But why Dallas, as good I, as their roster is? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, don't really, I mean, I think Mike McCarthy is a buffoon. But, uh, but that's not that, – that, that shouldn't matter. They're 8-0 at home. They go into the postseason. They're playing a Green Bay team that was lucky to get in at 9-8. and eight. They just made a scrape by in the last weekend of the season. Dallas, getting past the Eagles, did a great job down the stretch. Why do things suddenly change like this? Yeah, I don't have an answer for you. I mean, a defense that was elite all season collapsed. I mean, it uh, wasn't one thing. Things kind of just happened. You know, and the announcers were right about this. It's one thing. Okay, you're down 27 nothing. You score a touchdown late in the first half. And they're saying, yeah, now there's a chance to come back. But there's not a chance if the defense can't stop Green Bay, which they couldn't. All right, so here's what we got cooking today. John Garcia is going to join us here in just a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about uh, how recruiting, if at all, will be impacted by Alabama's new coach. Bob Baumhauer, speaking of the new coach, will join us at 7 to talk about uh, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, Terry Curtis, he'll give us an idea of what uh, recruiting in this state will be like for the new Alabama coach. That'll be at 7.30. Matt Cohen on Auburn's basketball wins and uh, a number of issues there with the, uh, with the Tigers. And then at 8.30, we'll talk to Mike Rodak and get his uh, thoughts on the weekend that was Alabama football. We'll have some Chick-fil-A for you. And we start... The Francia's formal affair uh, qualifying for a set of tails valued at $625. Maybe you can look as good as I did. Ladies and gentlemen, this is non-transferable. So, when you call up and say, my name's Lee Shervanian, Lee Shervanian is the only one that can win this. This is how big this is. Because if if you're not going to take him, there are plenty of people out there that would be more than happy to take a set of tails off your hands. So we got a lot going on. Stay with us. John Garcia is next on this Monday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Braun are right here on the sports station WNSP. in the business to ever do it i'm just i'm just gonna make sure that's all known that that's how i feel and uh 100 access okay to everything i would be a fool if that wasn't the case i would be a fool and uh, i'm gonna ask him that he uh shows up and make sure he gives me at least one thing every day i'm sure he's gonna have 10 well uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be good with that but uh at least one thing that he sees uh, that we can get better at so 6.33, that's the voice of new Alabama coach Kalen DeBoer. Uh, I think he was talking about John Garcia. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Because Getting, getting access. No, I'm serious, because if he needs any tips on recruiting, yeah. who, 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 we go to John Garcia. Why shouldn't he? John, John Garcia, by the way, recruiting coordinator for 24-7. So you could whisper in his ear, get Ryan Williams. Get Ryan Williams. Would that be pretty good advice? <laughs> I, I think he's probably heard that name once or twice, uh, maybe even since before taking the job. You know, that's that's certainly task number one uh, for for Coach DeBoer. And, and uh, look, the visit is scheduled for this coming weekend, so all the chips are down, and and that's going to be the first uh, true impression for Ryan. And and he seems pretty wide open at this stage of of his recruitment. So uh, that's going to be the the measuring stick recruit in in the very short term in the knee-jerk reaction era but unfortunately for DeBoer that's um, that's the era we live in 
So representing rivals, uh, recruiting coordinator uh, John Garcia. John, overall, how do you describe uh, Kalen DeBoer and his previous staffs recruiting-wise? How have they done uh, with their classes and so forth over the years? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the true measuring stick would, would have been the, the first full cycle he had at Washington, which would have been the class of, of 2023. Top 25 group, obviously West Coast laden, but he did dip into Texas considerably and Louisiana within that class. So I think that was, was probably the, the best sign from a tangible perspective that DeBoer can recruit. But I think if you zoom out a little bit more, you say, hey, there's a lot of quarterbacks on that Washington roster. Obviously, everybody knows Michael Penix. He's about to be into the NFL and all of that great stuff. But even beyond that, uh, there were several you know, highly coveted quarterbacks on that roster. They've, of course, all hit the portal over the last week or so, but there were several quarterbacks there. So I think on the surface you say, hey, if you can recruit at a top 25 clip at Washington, naturally your ceiling at Alabama is going to be much higher. And then secondarily, Sticking to what you know, you know, I think him bringing Ryan Grubb, the OC, over with him was probably the most natural first move uh, because you want to hold that perception for recruits and say, hey, at a minimum, this is going to be a wide-open offense that pushes the football down the field, which is exactly what a Ryan Williams or what a K.J. Lacey would want to hear about the future of an Alabama offense, especially uh, in this era of, of college football. So from a tangible perspective, we know he wins. Recruiting is not what he is necessarily known for, but the, the sample size is also incredibly small. Um, but I do think the winning and the perception of his game as an offensive mind is something that could carry in recruiting, especially in the short term. And then we'll have to see how the staff fills out thereafter. All right. So from what you've seen so far, as far as players leaving, what, what can you tell us about the Alabama roster as it shapes up now? I know losing Isaiah Bond can't help. There's been a few others. Uh, and I saw there was a, a commit, what, for 2025 that he's decommitted? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jamie French, one of the top commits uh, in the junior class, has backed off of that Alabama commitment. But obviously a long way to go there, nearly a year uh, until French is officially off the board. So I expect Alabama to remain a player for him. But, yeah, in, in the short term, it's really about recruiting his own roster. I think that's going to be the first, beyond Ryan Williams, that's going to be the first – to measure from a recruiting perspective. And again, with that perception of, of his offensive mind coming over, I think that's a, a group of players that you could see sticking around. Uh, and wide receiver is going to be one of those under the microscope, not only because your leading receiver just left to what is now an SEC rival in Texas, but also because that's the position that has sort of underwhelmed at Alabama uh, over the last year, year and a half or so. But I think that's going to be a position in general that sits under the microscope. But look, it's it's a different era. Um, re recruiting your own players is not what it used to be. Um, the portal is, is, you know, it's wide open. It, it kind of always has been. And obviously when there's a coaching change, it, it goes open again for a month. That's uh, a very long time for players to start to hear from, you know, who knows how many colleges and or folks representing different colleges and, and obviously that the factors to make that move are, are different in terms of motivation for every prospect, every program, et cetera. But uh, I say all that to say, yeah, you're still going to be judged in this crazy era by, you know, how you could retain some of these high level players. I think Jalen Melrose is probably the first player that will come to many Alabama fans minds. And I'm sure 
by this time, you know, he's probably had that sit down with, with Coach DeBoer. And then you kind of go from there and you start to build it out. Um, but I think it, it's all going to lead to some exodus, but also, you know, some other players that are in the portal saying, hey, if there's some, some room at Alabama, that's not a bad place to uh, to go showcase my, my talent at. So it's going to work both ways in that regard. But obviously, the Alabama roster is as talented as anybody in the country. So naturally, you got to retain the bulk of that group, uh, if at all possible. Well, the NCAA doesn't help matters by, as you said, uh, giving another 30-day transfer portal for a new coach coming in. But what about the incoming class? many whom I think have already enrolled at Alabama. Do they have access to that? Can they get up and go too, or do they have to stick around and get waivers? What is the, the deal on that, the incoming class? Yeah, that's pretty wide open too. I mean, anybody who's going through a coaching change who's on campus, like those early enrollees that, that enrolled this month, they're going to be able to have that same 30-day portal window as well. You know, We've heard some rumors of, of a couple of guys looking to jump into it. We haven't officially... I believe seeing one 2024 recruit jump in the portal just yet. And then for the rest of the guys who are arriving, I believe in May, um, they would have the option to ask out of their national letter of intent. Uh, so basically, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Um, things have changed at the school that I signed to and the NCAA is very liberal in allowing, you know, those kids out of their letter and, and Alabama probably would be as well. Obviously, conversations would be had especially with with the higher level kids but no program really wants to deal with uh, the the thought of of holding a, a letter over a you know a teenager's head uh, in this day and age because that perception would hurt much more than it would help even if it's you know a five-star number one type of recruit but but generally this incoming class is is just about as wide open as the current players are in terms of their ability to make a move but you get the sense that most of them you know especially in-state guys you know really committed to to the brand to the program just as much as some of these coaches and there's obviously reports that a lot of these uh, assistant coaches could be retained and i think that's going to obviously help smooth out you know that incoming group uh, at a minimum all right let me ask you this whether it's fair or not because of what happened with Auburn and Harson, and then you hear people saying, "Oh, you know that. Look what happened when Harson came to Auburn." Is that a fair comparison uh, to draw uh, and put uh, DeBoer under that microscope? Yeah, I get it. Um, you know, offensive-minded white guy who's coming from the West Coast who's supposed to be a dynamic play caller. I get that part of it, but you know, I think we've got to give more benefit of the doubt to the, the true Alabama fan because if, if, if it's 365 about about the tide um, you've done your research you, you've dug into it you know this isn't a west coast guy definitely not a southern guy I don't want to point him in that light um, but look that formula has worked for, for so many programs throughout the country including many currently in the SEC but yeah look the Brian Harson stuff is certainly what Auburn fans are going <laughs> to yield towards Alabama fans but I think we give them the benefit of the doubt in that, hey, they're, they're going to look into a little bit more. Brian Harson didn't make a college football playoff. Brian Harson didn't turn around a four-win program and lead them into the national title game a couple of years later or have the number one offense in America going into that title game. So, you know, I think there's a lot of differences between these two guys. Um, but, yeah, I understand, especially, you know, Iron Bowl related. I understand how that comparison is going to uh, profile, but if you do a little bit more work, you'll you'll understand this is a very different situation. And again, 
just the rumors of holding on to multiple assistant coaches that, that were on Saban's staff, I think that alone separates Brian Harson from uh, Kalen DeBoer. Um, but, but obviously a lot of other factors will separate those two guys. And I think, um, you know, by the time the games begin, uh, that, that should probably be behind uh, everybody in the conversation space. He's John Garcia of Rivals.com, joins us here on WNSP. Uh, so Lee mentioned Brian Williams. Uh, he was on campus at Texas A&M over the weekend. Have you gotten any feedback? What are you hearing about the visit there? Yeah, kind of a, a, a late three-point attempt from, from the Aggies yeah. here. Um, they obviously hired Holman Wiggins, who was the wide receivers coach that Ryan initially committed to at Alabama. He does have a great relationship with Ryan, and, and Ryan said, you know, after that departure, hey, this is a big deal. You know, this is a guy I do have a great relationship with. But at the time, Saban, Tommy Reese, many other coaches had, had picked up the slack, so there was no thought that A&M was going to be under consideration really until Saban retired. Obviously, Ryan then backed off of the commitment, and he had a free weekend. Um, so A&M said, hey, well, why don't you use it over here? Uh, and look, we know about the recruiting history of Texas A&M, rebuilt staff over there as well. So there is some optimism coming from College Station, but coming out of that trip, I would still be pretty surprised if that is where Ryan signed on February 9th. He's going to take a bunch of other visits. Uh, so from a recency visit perspective and really from a long-haul perspective, A&M is, is very much still a dark horse in this recruitment. So he's scheduled to go to Alabama this coming weekend. Obviously, that's the, the biggest visit, uh, especially now uh, following all these coaching changes. Then Texas with K.J. Lacey, which is always going to be a threat. And then finally to Auburn a couple days before he signs. You know, that, that's always viewed as the top threat to Alabama uh, for the longstanding uh, process. So I think all these other trips uh, are just a little bit greater in value than uh, the one-off with Texas A&M. But, hey, you, you never know. Um, that staff is obviously young, uh, obviously hungry, and, and they need a banner recruit on their end too. So you get a Ryan Williams on campus and you absolutely do everything you can to hold on to any positive momentum you might have gained. Uh, John Garcia, Rivals, joining us. All right, speaking about Auburn, they lose Carnell Williams. You lose Etheridge. You're just looking for defense and offensive coordinator. Is anything going on with recruiting at Auburn, and, and what impact does this have on their recruiting? Yeah, I think it has a huge impact. You know, Cadillac Williams, again, we talk about perception. I mean, what we all saw following Harson, how galvanized it felt at Auburn, and it really – you just got the sense that Hugh Freeze almost had no choice but to retain him just based off of that current roster and recruiting in particular. And there was Zach Etheridge, another former player, another great in-state recruiter. And you could argue, you know, on Auburn's roster over the last several years and even through multiple head coaches, that secondary room might have been the best room, you know, in the building for, for most of those those years. Uh, so I think that uh, becomes a huge blow uh, to the Tigers. Uh, and, and obviously, both of those guys, really well-known in-state. You know, I think that's where you could potentially see an impact in this class of 2025. But again, just like for all of these coaching staffs, I mean, Texas is going through it. Bama's certainly going through it. Georgia had transition on the, in, in the defensive side. Everybody's going through it to a degree, and there's just so much time left before it really starts to matter. Now, does it mean you won't have a defection or two? Of course not. That is all, again, in this day and age, pretty darn wide open. 
Um, but I do think there's enough time to rectify it for Hugh Freeze and company. He's he's obviously been known uh, to make great hires uh, within the SEC, and I expect that to continue. Uh, we, we know Crime Dog is, is back uh, with, with the Tigers as well after some reports he was headed to Texas A&M. So that, I think that's a good starting point. Uh, I don't I don't know many coaches available that have more SEC recruiting experience uh, than he does. So I think that was a good starting point, and obviously you continue – uh, pushing from there for the next hire, but you, you would expect, uh, again, great track record and, and obviously some ties to recruit locally. Hey, never a dull moment, John. How can people get the latest and greatest uh, from you guys? Yeah, real simple, Rivals.com. A lot is about to start going on, whether it's Alabama or anybody else, as we wrap up this class of 24. And, of course, turn the page to the class of, of 2025. So certainly check us out, Rivals.com. Hey, man, have a great week. Thanks for the time, as always. Thank you. All right, John Garcia, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, get you a little shot at a chance for some uh, fried deliciousness. That's coming up. Bob Baumhauer is going to join us at 7 o'clock. Terry Curtis at 7.30, both on Kalen DeBoer. Uh, also on hour number two, your first shot at Francia's formal affair. We are qualifying you for a shot at a set of tails valued at $625. All you got to do is hear our Mardi Gras sounder and be the first one to get Bronner on the line, and uh, you will be the one to qualify for the non-transferable gift of the season. Stay with us. We're wrapping up hour number one next, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, everybody. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP in Mobile. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A Ladies and gentlemen, here you go. The first Chick-fil-A of the Kalen DeBoer era. Make it a good one. The Detroit Lions winning that playoff <laughs> game yesterday ended 32 years of misery. And so their fans have a lot to cheer about. So, with Detroit off the table now, name the NFL team that's got the longest drought without winning a playoff game. If you know the answer, give Michael a call, 694-1055. What team now has the distinction, if you will, of going the longest without a postseason victory in the NFL? All right. If you guys know that one, then jump on in at 694-1055. We'll talk to Bob Baumhauer to kick off hour number two, which also includes Terry Curtis and, uh, uh, of course, John Ricchetti. In the meantime, we want to hear from you your thoughts on, like we said when we first, never has the dynamic or landscape of sports in this state changed more between shows than it did from Friday to Monday. A new coach, a press conference. What were your thoughts? Were you impressed? Were you not as impressed? What did you feel? Did you did you guys see the Kalen DeBoer presser? What did you guys think? Uh, and my and, and of course your thoughts about Nick Saban and Miss Terry being there. Uh, he gave a by the way interesting. Uh, Chris Stewart introduced uh, Kalen DeBoer at the press conference. So new tie. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> so um, we'll have to. And then he had a big because he had a basketball game too. Uh, dude did a big-sized oatmeal pie. I'll have to well, – looking forward to talking to Chris about his – Big win for Alabama basketball, too. Um, but need to, did we get a winner already? Yeah, Kelsey called and said, my, my poor, lowly Miami Dolphins. 23 years. 
Still looking. Mm-mm-mm. Now, she, Kelsey said, your, as in you? No, or my, co- as in his. Gotcha, okay. I didn't know if you had jumped ship. No, but. no, no. With that quarterback? No. By the way, when you mentioned Alabama going 3-0, and there's only two teams now in the SEC that are undefeated in conference play, and there are only three games into the season, and that's Auburn and Alabama. How about that? They play next, either Tuesday or Wednesday. This week? Next week. Next week, yeah. This week, no. All right, so uh, it was a good. It was good. Saban was there. Shows he's on board. Uh, and then uh, Byrne did a good job with the search. Props to him. He said 72 hours. It took what about 42, 44 hours. He he got up to. I thought he said. I thought somebody said. I don't. I don't remember. I thought it was around 49. But whatever. He did beat the. He beat the <laughs> clock. He beat the clock. He beat the clock. He got his man. Uh, embrace it. I mean, the guy's a winner everywhere he's been. Uh, Sioux City, three NAIA titles. Fresno uh, did well there. Only 12 losses in his coaching career. Now, that being said, come into the state of Alabama, and it's all about recruiting. He might have beaten the clock, but, man, it felt like a long time. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I saw a lot of Twitter chatter about it. All you, all you folks out here questioning the Alabama search, um, Never would have made it through the whole uh, initial Nick Saban hiring. That went on for. Oh, my. Well, the thing about uh, you're right. The, the Saban thing went on forever, it seemed yeah. like. But in, in fairness, because if Nick is is right up there and telling the truth that he didn't make up his mind until, what, five minutes before he went in to talk to the team, it really did not give Greg Byrne much time, you know, a lot of leeway. Because, like, when Bear Bryant retired, the thing was all set up. You know, they no sooner than Bryant announced his retirement than Perkins was named. That was that was already in place. Uh, when Mal Moore went after, my gosh, Lick Saban, you'd already. I thought they had already offered it to Rich Rodriguez. I, I don't know that they had. Depen- he turned it, it down. It depends on who you listen to. And yeah, but yes, there was conversations. My, with my understanding on the Saban thing is that he had told Byrne he was thinking about it and like that it was a possibility. And he wasn't decided on it until that day, but you know, Byrne. It wasn't like Byrne was caught with his pants down. He, he, no, he knew it was coming. But you couldn't you couldn't put in place having somebody already in place. Well, he was in if, Seattle that day. All right, but I'm just saying, what if Nick decided he was staying another year? Uh well, then he would have just stayed another year. What do you mean? You, so Byrne was in Seattle when Saban was talking to the team? Not when Sa- he went to Seattle, I think, shortly after. Like, he was in Seattle the same Did day. Did he ever go to Oregon? Said. No. No, that didn't happen. I, the Lanning that's and Sarkeesian the, reports were greatly exaggerated. Sark- Lanning was never offered the job. That's why Byrne said, only listen to what yeah. I was saying, because you pushed. You said Lanning was going to get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, uh, me, and, me and about everybody else, so... I don't think Lanning was ever offered the job. I, I think if uh, Byrne is to be believed that DeBoer was right at the top of the list. See, that's what gets me about these searches because if, if, if it's true what you're saying and the reporters or the agents are pushing the name, so if Lanning wasn't even offered, so he, but he's coming out with a video, and I'm sure he went back and got a huge contract extension. Yeah. No, it's smart from uh, from a recruiting perspective from him. You know, take advantage of the opportunity. Uh, his name is being thrown around in all these rumors. He sees it, says, "Oh, 
Like, let me throw together this and, uh, you know, say I'm not leaving. It's it's smart. Take advantage of uh, the opportunity. And whether you're offered the job or not, say I'm not leaving. And, you know, it's uh, it's a good look for Oregon, I'm whether sure, he was offered the job or not. I'm sure Greg Byrne, would, if you pinned him down, would say, look, I only, I only made one offer. Now, they're obviously, you know, in that time, there are others maybe making calls just to see if there's interest. Yeah. You know, you just can't zero in on one coach because then what if he tells you he's not interested yeah so there's obviously and and again and and having jimmy sexton around sexton really he's the one who really orchestrates a lot of this because he's the one that kind of tells you who's available who's not what they want and so forth and the funny thing is doesn't he represent most of the coaches that burn was going after yeah i don't think Lanning is a sexton client but DeBoer is norvell is right kiffin is pretty much pretty much everyone who was involved in uh, in the search is so yeah I mean I think Lanning had he been offered the job would have turned it down. Did you? We don't, I don't know if we reported it. You know Norville wound up getting an eight-year contract extension, yeah, which and is, he probably uh, wasn't even in the mix. Yeah, so. Jimmy Sexton. We didn't talk about this a lot. The guy just he runs He's college brilliant. football. It's he he kinda, does. He is brilliant. It's a lot. I don't know. Even you know even Ronnie Cottrell, that's his agent. Sarkeesian got a big contract extension. It's true. The guy is incredible. He doesn't like to be interviewed. I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. Get him on this week. He doesn't want. He, doesn't, he won't come on. It's been like that for years, though. Yeah, I it mean, has. It's, it's, it's not just me. It's like not that. just yeah. me. Even when Saban first got the job, 17 years ago, he was still very much uh, behind the scenes. All right. Uh, Bob Baumhauer is going to join us next. We got a big one this hour. We got a big hour. Bob Baumhauer, John Ricchetti, Terry Curtis. Might have a chance to uh, qualify for that Francia Formal Affairs uh, set of tails. Valued at more than $600. There's a lot going on. Thanks for joining us here on a Monday. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, welcome in here on a uh, Monday edition of the opening kickoff. Thanks for making us part of your morning as we uh, await a brutal Arctic blast that uh, Lee, I think, is going to curl up into a fetal position and under his bed and just wait for it to be over. We'll call I, I had a good over. idea. I just thought I'd take the equipment and pr- Dude, broadcast yeah. from, from home tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. All right, so uh, some of the major headlines. The Lions get their first playoff win in the National Football League since, what, 32 years ago? Uh, 1992, I think, was the last time they got a playoff win. They beat the Rams uh, yesterday. Uh, the other game was a rout. Green Bay went to Dallas and just crushed the Cowboys, leading to speculation that Jerry Jones might make a coaching change. He said he wants to talk to Mike McCarthy. Obviously, he was embarrassed beyond. Maybe He said it may have been the worst playoff loss they've had, and they've had quite a few lately. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday... Uh, the Dolphins were frozen over at Arrowhead Stadium in that fourth 
coldest game ever. Uh, they got beat. And then you had the uh, Texans wiping out the Cleveland Browns. Two more games today at 3.30. Bills hosting Pittsburgh. I guess there'll be some snow around there. They're still trying to shovel out. I had the game postponed from yesterday. And then tonight, Eagles and the Bucks. And with that, the other major story, of course, Kalen DeBoe. Uh, DeBoer is now the coach at Alabama. Replacing Nick Saban, we're calling on alumni like Bob Baumhauer to get his viewpoint. Bob, good morning. How are you today? Hey, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well like everybody else. Just getting ready for the, the chill, you know, but uh, doing good. All right. The news when you heard about it, that the new coach, I want to get your reaction. What would you think? Well, I mean, uh, I didn't know much about him. Uh, the more I looked into, you know, his background and what he's accomplished, it's it's very impressive, and um, it's going to be interesting to follow uh, somebody like you know nobody's seen before, and, and and Coach Saban as far as what he's accomplished and all the above, just everything he's brought to not just the University of Alabama's football team, but the University of Alabama, the state of Alabama, uh, the SEC, all the all the things that that Coach Saban has um, just lifted up with his presence. It's, I mean, it's beyond words, really. And, and I'm, a, I, you know, I'm a guy that played for Coach Bryant and Coach Shula, and he's just, it's amazing. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, the dynamic of the change and. Um, and uh, you know it's interesting to see how many uh, of the young young folks are in the portal already, which is you know I don't I don't as, coming from where I come from I'm not sure I'll ever understand that, but uh, just a lot going on and it's going to be uh, a day to day thing as far as trying to figure it out. The the the, the thing too, and we've talked a lot about this, is that obviously following an icon a legend he he's going to be maybe fairly or unfairly judged by what happened with nick saban so and now nick's you know nick was at the press conference he's going to have an office still in uh over there on on the campus how how do you feel about you know devore having to deal with the pressures of replacing one of the greatest coaches ever if not the greatest on, you know, in, in this change because before Coach Saban came in, you know, everybody was talking about that Alabama needed somebody to take control, that, that there were too many chiefs, uh, too many cooks in the kitchen as far as Alabama football, et cetera, et cetera, and that, we, that Alabama needed somebody to come in and take control. And, and, and the coach is going to have to do that. Uh, the new coach is going to have to do that regardless of – of um, uh, his surroundings, he's going to have to take control. He's going to have to make this program his own. I think that Coach Saban is a plus for for being around. I think I think anybody that is a good coach is always looking for coaching himself or herself. Um, um, Coach Bryant was like that. Coach Shula was like that. Um, I got to think this coach is going to be the same way. He's going to welcome Coach uh, Saban's presence. Well, he's got to be his own man. It's, I'm sure he's going to try to be. I, but today, yeah. like, I remember back when Ray Perkins came in 
and he tried to change everything. He tried to remove a lot of the Bear Bryant stuff, you know, replacing right. Bear Bryant. But you didn't have as right. much media back then. You didn't have everything you've got now. Now there's, from every angle, uh, w with the social media and so forth, and that's, and obviously, you know, recruiting being so important. But I will say this. Where DeBoer got it going with Washington was with uh, the portal, with transfers, more so than right. recruiting. Right, right. And that's becoming a, a, a much a much uh, bigger part of the game, and, and it's part of the change that coaches have to be able to adapt with. I, I think uh, that Coach Saban in Alabama were working on that, and they're doing a good job with that as far, and as far, as far as the NIL. The NIL is a whole other animal that has created so many challenges for coaching. But look, here's the deal. Looking at, at, at his history, what he's accomplished so far, it's obvious that this guy knows what he's doing, that he's got the confidence. And I think more importantly, with all the things you're talking about, what a good coach doesn't want is distractions, no matter what it is, whether it's from a player's point of view, whether it's from an outside of football point of view, whatever. I've got a feeling that he's going to do a really good job being able to stay focused on what's made him a winner up to this point and what's going to define him as a coach at Alabama. I just I feel really strongly about that, that this guy gets that part of the game and it doesn't matter who's around, he's going to be focusing on his players and the plan and working really hard to get his players to buy in. That's, a, that's his biggest challenge, is any coach's challenge. Uh, anybody like mine's biggest challenge in business is to get your team to buy into first of all who you are and then also you know what the plan is what's the plan how are we going to win what's our formula for success and i got a feeling that this guy does a really good job with that part of the game tough week for you sports wise i know you like most everybody hated to see uh, nick saban retire and then your dolphins oh, have the it's longest beyond words for me i mean you know we've We've been, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not on the inside of the Alabama program, and I don't, you know, talk to Coach Saban uh, much at all, really, or, or Miss Terry. Um, but we've had the relationship with the head coach and all the above there. And I, got, I just got to tell you that there's such a class act, and they're just so special. And there's no words to describe what they've meant to us as far as our organization, me as a fan, um, in, in my situation. And uh, uh, it's just, I, I just hope, you know, I hope that they're in a good place. He's really happy. Um, I've already put the word out that, if he, you know, he's got a fishing buddy here if he wants to take some time to go fishing or whatever, <laughs> or get on the water. Or whatever it may be, I just hope they. Uh, I just hope um, where they are now is is exactly where they want to be, and and that they're doing everything for good reason. Hey Bob, uh, we appreciate. It. I gotta ask though, man. After watching your Dolphins go play in that blizzard, uh, what's the coldest? <laughs> what's the coldest it's ever been that you played in? Uh, wh whether you've ever played in, because it's it's gonna get a little nippy around here tomorrow. I have never played in, in that kind of cold. Though you know, we played New England every year when I was playing Buffalo every year when I was playing. We played up north before the domes in Minnesota and places like that. And I can tell you, um, if you're if you're used to Miami and playing in that kind of climate, it is a huge adjustment and it does it does affect the things that you do as far as play. 
and um, I've never played in that kind of weather. But I, 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 as far as Miami right now, it's just not the, it's not just the weather that created that. You know, a lot of those folks that had those uniforms on were backups or they were folks that they brought in because of the injury situation. So there's a lot of factors that contributed to, let's just say, Miami not being able to get it done there and some of the challenges they've had of late. And I just hope they get healthy. And I love the coaching staff up there. I love the leadership. Big fan of Tua. Um, hopefully the defense will get back to where it was. And I think most of the folks in the program down there understand that but that cold that cold market <laughs> it is hard to deal with it is not easy to deal with it there is definitely something to that as far as a team like miami going into a climate like that well always good to talk to you uh bob uh, have a great weekend uh we look forward to talking again soon okay same here buddy Y'all thanks be good. Bye-bye. that's bob bob howard ladies and gentlemen i i'm gonna ask you guys what are we looking at tomorrow is it 20 i think it's gonna be colder than that now i don't I remember a stop. I thought it was the teens, right? All right. Do you have a garage? I do. Okay, good. So you don't have to worry about coming out and starting your car then uh, dealing with temperatures. Like, that's when it really gets bad. I thought you were just going to come on by and pick you up. Start my car for me. I'll just pick you up four in the morning. I don't know if I need to be that early. Mm. Y'all got big plans tomorrow? How how cold is it? I'm going to check. I think the highs, the lows have gone up. Oh, have they? It was like 16 two days in a row. It's gone up to like 20. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah, you figure if it's going to get cold, it might as well. Like, that's what I mean. It. Like, I wanted like the 14 degrees. Just so we can say we had it. Yeah. All right. It'll be, it, usually the reverse is true here in the studio. When it's cold outside, it'll be like 97 degrees. It'll be a sauna in here and vice versa. If All right, 715. If it's not, I'm going to come in and make sure it is. So I, I get access to that temperature. I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile. kickoff thanks for hanging with us on this monday edition all right tee it up for john ricchetti in the miller like golf report johnny what happened over in hawaii at the sony well it was actually a little drama lee had a playoff for well obviously the first playoff of 2024 even though it was the second event of the year is the sony open grayson murray picks up his second pga tour victory in a playoff i uh, had to birdie the 72nd hole then went in the playoff uh, and uh, with a couple other tour players, and he ended up getting a making a 40-foot putt on the 18th hole, and uh, the fortune was the first playoff hole. And uh, Grayson Murray, who hasn't won in six years, picks up his second PGA Tour victory uh, at the Sony Open. Mobile's Robbie Shel- Shelton tied for 57th. At eight under par, so a good start for Mobile's Robbie Shelton as the PGA Tour moves to the American Express Championship in Palm in Palm Springs this week, and also on the European Tour in Dubai. Rory McIlroy had a hold of this tournament, but could not hold on as Tommy Fleetwood beats Rory McIlroy by a shot and ends up winning the Dubai Invitational. So 
lot going on in the world of golf, and uh, we'll be on the air tonight at 6 o'clock live from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. Thank you, John. We appreciate it, man. All right. Uh, we're going to talk to Terry Curtis coming up here in just a little bit, get his thoughts on uh, the new Alabama coach, what that means for recruiting, uh, and what that means for local high school students. You guys can jump in, 694-1055. Give us your take on Kalen DeBoer, what you think of the hire, what you thought of the press conference and the comments he made during the press conference. And of course, you can jump in on uh, the NFL that took place over the weekend Did as well. Do you think he hit all the main points? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. I think there are, there's this like playbook <coughs> that's been in place for years in Tuscaloosa when you get a new job. I think you have to talk about Bear Bryant. They've added an addendum to that. you got to talk about Nick Saban. This was, this was something that came up, I think, during the whole Rich Rod thing. I'm trying to remember which coach it was, but someone like questioned, like someone w- in the past didn't really want to talk about like Bear Bryant. Like, what are you talking? There's certain things you have to say, and I think he touched on all the things. Right? He talked about you know the work ethic and uh, Nick Saban and and Bear Bryant. Like he checked all the boxes. I just thought he went on very long. I thought the I thought the interesting things were access Saban was going to get, whether it's going to happen or not. And at the very end, when he got really emotional about Washington and the players and, and having to say goodbye and understanding what the players in Tuscaloosa are going through because he just left with that kind of same scenario in um, in Washington. But the idea that there are only a couple of places, like he said all the right things, there are only a couple of places, maybe only one place uh, that, that I would have left for. And this is it, or this is one of them. I, you know, I, I just, again, I think it went really long. I thought he spent a little too much time on Saban. I mean, we all know what Nick did, okay? Yeah. I thought, you know, it's one thing because he's there and to acknowledge it, but I thought he went a little too f- uh, far on, you know, praising Nick and, and, and so forth. So, I, and get, I don't know if it was because he's there or not. But you're, I think you're giving in. I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I thought the fact that he was there was a little awkward, sitting front row with his hands crossed. Should he have been in the back standing <laughs> I, I just, Nick, could you stand further back? I get it. I get it. You <laughs> want to like show that he's you know, supportive and he's there to help with the transition. I think it would have been weirder if he wasn't there. Why? I, why, why would he not? Be there. Because well, yeah, it would have been like grandkids' birthday party or No, out. I mean Bronner to your point, like it, it would have been why wasn't Nick Saban there? Yeah. Where's Saban? Uh, Where, why yeah. does he, does so he not mean, approve of the hire? They're front and center showing his support. I, I think you, you know, guys are making a lot I, out of this. I, well of course we are. It's talk radio. Well, I understand. So we yeah, you know that. So we uh, what I found interesting when he walked in and he was. Go- I, I was watching some of the video how he was going around shaking hands with everybody and everybody was congratulating him. I didn't real, you know, back when I don't think Nick was like that. That he wanted to make, you know, make fun with everybody. You would know it, what I mean? Would it have been better if Nick Saban would have stepped to the podium and introduced him? Introduced him and said, "This is DeBoer's team. I'll be here to support in any way." I want to thank you guys for everything. I now turn the program over. Ooh, that would have been then, super. And then wait, and then walk out. And that would have been step great. On his moment, yeah. I'm out. That would have been terrific. Gone. I think that would have been odd. <laughs> I, I, I would have liked that. Yeah, where he actually introduced him. Here's my successor. Good luck, Kalen. It's your program. See ya. I think people yeah. would have had you know something to say about it regardless. I think he did a great job. It's an, it's impossible shoes to step into. It's uh you know the biggest. Think about you know how his life 
changed overnight if you're Kalen DeBoer. You know, you have mobs of people greeting you at the airport. The guy probably could have gone to the grocery store as a normal person in Seattle, and all of a sudden, you know, his life has completely changed overnight. It's uh, it's probably a little bit overwhelming. If I you, thought he did a great if job. If you were still at Alabama, would you have gone out there? Oh, yeah. I thought about it. I Are thought you about serious? going from here. Uh, to stand there for hours in that freezing cold? Oh, yeah. It's a historic moment. <laughs> would you? No, no, and hell no. That's exactly. I, there's no way. I've never done anything like. Have, have you done that before, Michael? When Saban came? Well, there was no Saban arriving at the airport. I, I was he arrived. He came. How do you think he got there? He yeah, didn't walk. He, dude was like eight or nine. So, when Saban, so I don't. I don't think. He, oh, that's right. You were still in New Jersey, right? Yeah. Okay, but had you ever done that before? No, I wasn't at the airport when Nate Oates arrived, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. How about the baseball coach, Rob no, Wall? I, I don't <laughs> or, think there was a massive crowd to, to greet Rob I read Wall. about that, like, there were people, the story was amazing. People were lined up I and thought it was freezing. Great. I thought it was great. Uh, he, I don't think he got I kissed. I wonder what so his reaction. Got kissed. I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I uh, wonder what his reaction was as he gets off the plane and sees all these people out there. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was a little bit overwhelming to him. I'm sure they didn't do that when he was hired at Washington. That's what I mean. The guy, the guy's life has changed overnight. Terry Curtis is going to join us next. Matt Cohen on Auburn at eight. Mike Rodak on Alabama at eight thirty. Got a lot going on. It's a Monday. Hang with us. Continues right here on the sports station WNSP. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to try to replace Terry Curtis at UMS, right, with all those wins and titles? What are you suggesting? That he not retire. Terry, good morning. How are you this morning? Doing great, guys. How y'all doing this morning? Wonderful. Uh, we're trying to hit the uh, Kalen DeVore hiring from all angles. And, and of course, from a recruiting standpoint, and getting to know the coaches and so forth. I'd like to get your perspective on DeBoer, a real outsider. I mean, very outside, coming from Washington, and what he faces as far as recruiting in this area. Well, you know, I, I listened to his uh, press conference, uh, I guess it was Saturday, and uh, you can tell he's done his homework. I thought his uh, press conference was uh, – was outstanding. He, uh, you know, he talked about pretty much every detail that's going to be handled uh, and, and so forth. Uh, man, he's won a bunch of games. And, and Lee, one of the things about it now is, uh, you know, recruiting's not really like it uh, used to be. Alabama kind of uh, 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 recruits itself. Uh, everything now is kind of uh, with the big recruits is kind of money-driven anyway. So, uh uh, you know, he's been involved with that. Uh, I think the key, uh, you know, in the South is going to be his staff and uh, and uh, and uh, the schemes they do and how they coach. And, you know, he's going to get the players. And, uh, you know, I think it's really big now that uh, 
some of the ones who have gone into portal or have decommitted that uh, that he's able to get most or some of those guys back. And I think that will go a long way in, uh, you know, in improving how he can recruit and how he talks to these guys and, and how he handles himself. Uh, you know, uh, uh, it'll take time with the high school coaches. Uh, he can't see every coach in the state in uh, three or four days. But, uh, you know, you give him a chance, you, you let him go, uh, uh, you know, I really hope uh, for for Alabama's uh, sake he don't make some of the mistakes that uh, that Harson made, and I don't believe he will. I believe with Coach Saban around and 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 Greg Byrne, the athletic director, who is so well thought of, and you know, this was a planned out thing. There's no way that uh, uh, that Greg Byrne got caught. Uh, really shocked that Coach Saban retired. I'm sure he's had a list for a while, and and uh, this was one of the guys on that list, and and he's the one that uh, that he hired, and everyone needs to give him a chance and, and, and get behind him, and uh, and uh, it's hard to mess up Alabama, you know, so uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. There, to say. There, there were coaches prior to Nick Saban <laughs> that actually did. I, I'll just never forget when Nick Saban was hired, and reading stories about the plane when he told Mal Moore that nobody will ever out-recruit me. And no sooner does he land than he was on his way to Mobile, you know, with uh, Julio and, you know, that group they was bringing in. Have that, have that You said things have changed in recruiting. Has that kind of changed, or would you expect that DeBoer will be out? And I don't know what the rules are now. I mean, I don't know when they're a dead period or whatever, but um, should he be out there knocking on doors? And, and, and you being kind of one of the uh, – deans of high school coaches would you expect him to or one of his members of the uh, staff to give you a call and, and kind of get the layout of the land uh, i'm sure i'll talk to him you know uh pretty soon uh, uh i've talked to alice ponder who was uh coach saban's head guy and uh and uh said that he would be calling and and so forth but he's got so much going right now I'm sure Jeff Kelly's probably talked to him already, but uh, yeah. <laughs> most of us will have to wait our, uh, you know, have to wait our turn. But uh, uh, you know, I I've liked everything the guys that they said. I I've never met him. I don't know. I, I don't know uh, uh, other than following his career and, and knowing how many games and all the plates won. I do like, uh, uh, you know, he wasn't one that was kind of given a job because of. Uh, of who he was. He's earned his stripes. He's coached uh, NAIA. He's been at D2. Uh, he's been an OC at uh, a couple places and and and, and got his chance at uh, Washington and did an outstanding job. I happened to be at the uh, at the Sugar Bowl and uh, and Steve Sarkeesian is a great coach, but uh, but Coach DeBoer was uh, uh, had, had a scheme that was really really good against those guys and uh, and I'm sure he's going to do the same thing at Alabama. What is so significant about his offense that, and it's been pointed out that they play such an exciting brand of offense. How much different is their offense from, let's say, maybe Texas or what other schools do? Well, don't get me right wrong. Now the quarterback was uh, was accurate and really good, but he had three wideouts that were outstanding. That's what uh, surprised me the most about the game and watching it is you had not heard a lot about these wideouts that. Uh, but he had three wide outs and a tight end. And, 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 you know, it's one thing to be throwing in tight windows and make great throws. But but now they had some guys that uh, through scheme and what they were doing were were wide open. 
and I'm not. I mean, there was nobody around him, and and to do that to Texas and a, a team of that caliber, uh, you know, you have to have some pretty good schemes and and do some uh, some some good things. So, uh, you know, I look for him to, to get a few guys on his staff from, you know, the SEC at least, and uh, I think he's keeping a couple who was on Coach Saban's staff, but. But if he'll use Coach Saban, Coach Saban will be a great resource for him and, and will tell him yes or no on, on some things that he may be doing. But, but Coach DeBoer is going to come in. He's going to be his own guy, and, and that's what you've got to do. People got to realize uh, he can't come in and be Coach Saban. He's got to come in and, and do his things the way that he thinks they need to be done. Yeah, use those resources, but – but it's all at the end of the day going to fall back on him. And he got, he, I'm sure he's going to work hard. He's going to be a relentless recruiter. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and if Alabama people will, will get behind him and, and all and with the resources that they have, uh, you know, I think he's going to do a great job. Would you recommend he bring in a high school coach on his staff? Not so much to be on the field assistant, but somewhere somehow to be involved? Well, you know, you always hope so that that would be a big and and especially uh, uh, you know to kind of introduce them to the high school coaches and uh, and uh, so forth. So you would hope that that would be a a thing that he would at least uh, think about. Uh, somebody who knows kind of the lay of the land, knows the high school coaches, knows the ones who who have most of the prospects and and can get him headed in the right direction. I do think that would. Uh, you know, kind of like Todd Watson did there and like uh, 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 Brent's done at Auburn. I, I think that would be big for him, and, and I'm sure he's probably been told that. And uh, and hopefully that's what my conversation when I talk to him uh, will have a little bit to do with. Do you think – I've read some stories about this too. Do you think it's a little early for some of these other SEC schools, SEC schools to celebrate the fact that Nick's no longer coaching, figuring they have a better chance to unseat Alabama? Oh, I'm not sure how much of that's true. Now I, I, they know Alabama's Alabama, and and as great a coach as Coach Saban uh, was, uh, uh, you know, uh, like I said earlier, Alabama's not going to drop off a whole lot as far as as players and what they do. They uh, uh, their brand kind of sells itself, and and I don't see that uh, uh, falling off a whole lot. Yeah, everybody's sad. I mean, you know, uh, I went to Auburn, but when when I heard that he was retiring. You know, I was sad uh, just because of what he has uh, done and meant to the game and and, and the respect he's got and how uh, and uh, how he's done things the right way. And uh, I'm sure that uh, you know, Coach DeBoer's the next guy. And uh, you always say you don't want to be the you know the next guy. You'd better be the next next guy or the next 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 guy. So. You know, he's got his hands full, but he sure seems, uh, you know, full of confidence and uh, and that he can handle this job. And, and and that's part of it. You can't come in here with uh, with any kind of uh, doubts or, or concerns. And and so far, he is so far. He has not shown that uh, that he's scared of this job in any way. If and when you ever retire, Terry, which I hope is not soon, uh, you're going to keep an office there at UMS, right, for your successor to walk down the hall and check in with you? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think when uh, I retire, Coach Barber won't be as far from him as uh, as he can get. So, uh, you know, I'd be probably lucky to stay in Mobile. So, oh, come uh, on. <laughs> uh, you know, so that's uh, uh, 
uh, you know, that's a, a talk for another day, but uh, but that's pretty cool that he's going to have an office there. And, and uh, you know, I agree with, like, some other people. If you've ever been in his office, they don't need to put anybody in there. They make need to make that like a tourist attraction <laughs> with the, the trophies and the rings and the balls and the things that he's got in his office. Uh, that would be a pretty special room at uh, at the complex for yeah, people to see. Like like Hank Aaron's house, just physically move it, the whole thing in its entirety, and just move it over to the museum. Do you have all your trophies in your office? All your uh, trophies, championship trophies? Uh, I don't have the state championship trophies. I've got uh, you know I've got balls from uh, different games, from state championship games, and and, uh, and 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 things to recognize the championship. So. Uh, yeah, I've got a good bit of stuff in there, but uh, you're right, Mark. I'll just take the whole office and, and move it over to the museum or, or let the museum come to him if they can't move all of it. But, uh, man, what a special what a special guy. What a pleasure it's been to, to know Coach Saban and know him, you know, uh, on a, a little bit more than just a, a coaching uh, relationship and, and how great he's been to high school coaches and and uh, treated everyone the way that you would want to be uh, treated. So it was a sad day when he retired, but, uh, you know, it's a new beginning. You knew it was going to happen sometimes. So uh, 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 the new guy is ready to go. So it ought to be a lot of fun watching how he handles and does things. Terry, always good to catch up with you, sir. Uh, we appreciate the time, and uh, let's do it again soon. All right, guys. See you all soon. Thanks. Thanks. That's uh, Terry Curtis, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, coming up next, uh, we, you guys have an opportunity uh, to, to chime in, 694-1055. You can also uh, get us in the app at WNSP.com. Uh, in, in hour number three, Matt Cohen will talk some Auburn basketball. Both wins, I might add. <clears throat> you can throw a little football at him as well. And then Mike Rodak will uh, give us his take on everything that went down in Tuscaloosa over the weekend because there was plenty of it. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Braun are right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Blake Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. officially started here at WNSP. That's the sounder. Be the first one to get Michael Bronner on the phone at 694-1055. And you'll be the first to qualify for our annual Francia's Formal Affair giveaway. That's right. Linda Francia and the folks over at Francia's Formal Affair giving away a full set of tails valued at $625. Now look, this is non-transferable. So if you call Bronner and get on the line, be the first one to register, the name on the list, if you get picked, is the only person that can claim the prize. This is unbelievable gift. Uh, we're going to wind up giving this away in about two, two and a half weeks, just in time for the Mardi Gras season. The tails are 100% Worstead wool tail coat and pants, white PK shirt, vest, the bow tie, all the, all the trimmings. You'll be set not only this Mardi Gras season, but every Mardi Gras se season, thanks to Francia's formal affair. So we want to thank Linda and the folks over there for donating yet another set of tails. Uh, we're trying to make you look good. 
man, and uh, and this is gonna do it. So jump in on that and be the first person. We will do this every day for the um, till about the for about two two and a half weeks. Uh, so if you don't have a chance today, fear not, you'll have another chance tomorrow. But only here on the opening kickoff. For sure. But you know what? Uh, you got Mardi Gras coming up. I suggest you get over to Francia. They're located on Airport Boulevard. I'm trying to uh, – the best way to describe it. They're on the Beltline. Uh, I know there's honey-baked ham right next to it or something because I've been there a couple times lately because they were so nice to me to dress me up for the cotillion in Slidell and make me presentable, which is saying a lot. It is. I've seen the pic- I saw the pictures. Yeah, I threatened make to put me them get totally different than I normally am. Yeah. Uh, we got somebody qualified? Mr. Bronner? Yeah, yeah, Matt. Matt? Matt. Uh, all right, congratulations, Matt. Non-transferable. So, Matt, if, if your name gets called, boom, you're going over to Francius. Uh, and that is a that is a prize worthy. That's six hundred and twenty five dollars value. That's crazy. So uh, you're getting a good one, man. All right, if you get picked, uh, you guys jump in six nine four one zero five five. Want to hear from you? The NFL is Dallas looking for another coach? Jerry Jones not happy. Although I got to be honest with you, um, listening to Jerry talk is getting more and more painful. Uh, uh, he's just not formulating full thoughts anymore. Uh, and, of course, we want to hear from you on this whole Alabama thing, man. Uh, a lot's changed since the last time we've been on the air. You got a new coach. He's already met with the – I call it a press conference. It's really more like a news conference now. He wasn't really meeting with the press as much as he was talking to boosters and coaches and administrators. And they had a, they wound up having a Q&A. I wonder where the media were located because you didn't see them uh, in the front row, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, I thought he said all the right things. <clears throat> there were two points where I thought he really hit home. Other than that, I thought it was a lot of window dressing. But you, you got to say certain things. Uh, I, I don't think he was bad. Like, everybody goes, remember M- Mike Shula? I was just thinking Mike about Shula that. Mike Shula was yeah. dead. Like, he, he got murdered on social media and, and on talk radio. Just, he wasn't prepared. It didn't sound good, right? Now, DeBoer wasn't entertaining but he said all the right things uh and from an x's and o's down uh, standpoint i think he's going to be a coach a great coach from an from a content standpoint i don't know uh the jury's still out you know i think that's where kiffin would have come in for guys like mark you and me. really wanted kiffin to, to enter that well, race. i think that's like, been i think that's been well documented but, but it's he not just it. because it's kiffin i i just think because there's an entertainment factor there right dabbo kiffin yeah dabbo would have been great content not as great as kiffin mark mark would relish the idea of kiffin so he could yeah. add to his al.com uh stature yeah uh, for sure and i don't blame you that's fine and you're right although i'm telling you kiffin not anything I haven't said on the air. He's not a great interview, but what he does is he's pretty good on social media. But he's not the greatest interview. I will In fact, s- I remember at the spring meetings last year, you know how some coaches, like, from, for instance, Jimbo Fisher, you know, he's got a, a, a bunch of media people around him. You can hear him all over the place. You know, he talks so fast. Kiffin, you could barely, I mean, I had to hold the tape recorder almost under, right under his lips. You can barely understand him. He talks so softly. But he's had quite a career, though. And when you think about the places he's been, though, I mean, Raiders, Southern mm. Cal, Tennessee, and he's what, still in his 40s? No, I think he's, well, yeah, he's in his 40s, yeah. That's what I said. I believe so. Michael, what impressed you more? 
<laughs> God, you're listening, Michael. Hey, uh, that's what I said. Booby trap. What uh, what impressed you more, the Houston Texans win or the Green Bay Packers? I'm having trouble picking. They were both unbelievable to me. Probably the hmm, probably the Texans. Uh, like the way Stroud kind of tore up that Browns defense. I mean, both of them, honestly. Uh, I I mean, I went on the air and said that the Browns were going to win, so I guess I was a little bit more surprised at the Texans. I, I thought the Packers had a great chance. I didn't think they would destroy the Cowboys like they did. So both very impressive. I think uh, I don't. I, I think the Packers' run probably comes to an end next week in San Francisco, but you never know. We'll see. Sometimes, in each case, with the Texans and with Green Bay, they they made it uh, made it well established that these are two of the youngest teams i i guess age-wise or i assume age-wise in the nfl sometimes you know we place so much emphasis on the team that's been there and done that or tried to do that like dallas and then you get a green bay team that goes in there and jordan love has never been in that position before and he was just slicing and dicing his passes were incredible and dallas supposedly had a really really good defense and they couldn't stop him and even as Green Bay got that early lead, you kind of had the feeling that Dallas was going to put it together offensively, but it could, didn't matter because Dallas couldn't stop Green Bay. Aaron Jones was running through them like, you know, like Swiss hot cheese. knife through butter. Yeah. It was incredible to watch Dallas. It was embarrassing. You know what? I don't use that term very often, <laughs> but you could tell from a distance. You know, Jerry Jones, you could tell he just was beside himself. How did we get here? We were 8-0 at home. They need Belichick. <laughs> they that, need him. That I think would, Jerry said call, get him on the phone that, probably that at halftime. Can, can you imagine that conversation? Bill picks up the phone. Yeah. Uh, Jerry. Bill, how'd you, how'd you like to come coach our team? Yeah. It's like Lou Brown and Major. Yeah. Like, I right. don't know. Yeah. I got a guy about some white walls on the other line. I'll have to get back do you th- to you. Okay. Do you think if that happened, I believe that he would be calling Bill Parcells to ask for his advice? Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Bill Belichick? Would ask Parcells for advice. I, I think they're still. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think they're. Maybe not on not speaking you know, terms. Yeah, they're definitely know, not friendly. Well, they are and they aren't. You know. There's there's such egos in this business that sometimes you you let that like if 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 he, if he was in the let's say asked to come and interview that's another thing do you interview him or do you just say the job is yours I think an interview quote unquote would be more of a discussion formality and it would be a I mean can you imagine thing. Belichick with with the, well, he's only a few wins away from being the greatest winning coach ever you want to interview me. I was like, come on, yeah. is the job mine or not? Well, I think any good coach would want to interview them as yeah, much it's, as it's kind want of to both. be interviewed, right? Like, I, I have questions. Yeah. Would like, you want to work for Jerry Jones? No. I wouldn't either. No. Sorry. The, but the hope is, and, and, and I don't mean this in like a morbid way, but the hope Uh-oh. is you get the job at this point and Uh-oh. Jerry at some point moves on or decides that he doesn't want to be as Mo- Moves on, on, huh? You know that's what I mean. not going to happen. <laughs> Mo- that, Mo- that, but that's always been the problem. You hope he moves on? It, it, look, yeah. this has been going on since the early 90s. Nothing's going to change. Where's he going to go, Mark? Well, it's kind of like Saban. I don't know, to his retirement home. Retirement home. Yeah. Well, he's still got, yeah, but still got his son running the show. No, Jerry Jones... We all I'm know. Not saying, I'm not going to say what you want me to say. <laughs> I think that. we both know what you were getting at there. Jerry Jones is going to stay there 
as long as he's alive. He wants a Super Bowl, but he can't get out of his own way. He's been talking about death a lot lately. Like, I want a Super Bowl before I die. It's weird. I don't know. I think Belichick is but coming. But Belichick is considered, he's got to call Parcells and say, what do I need to know working for this guy? Because it See, didn't, it didn't so. go you, well. You, I, you just said they have big they have big egos. Why would why would Bill Belichick call any other coach? Yeah, I think he'll figure it out on his own. No, I think he's he'd want to know what what happened when Parcells went down there and why it did not work out. You seen the mess going on in New England, Lee? No, what's going on there? Uh, they're they're quote unquote in no rush to hire a GM like the existing scouting department is just handling things. Well, do you things? think a GM candidate would be turned off by the fact that the coach was named before he came in to work with? Uh, maybe. I, I I don't know. It's I think Jonathan Kraft is running the show. I don't know. This team's a mess. I I think uh I think I hate might to hear be, that might too, be doomed because for so many years they were like the elitist. I think Kraft might might be a disaster of an owner. We'll Robert, see. We'll find oh, I, out. I disagree with it. Robert Kraft. I, he had Brady and Belichick for 20 years. That's we'll amazing see. run, though. You, no, I think Robert Kraft, first of all, even off the field, what he's done for that league and the contracts he's gotten for them, I think he's he's at the top of the list when it comes to owners. All he had to do was stay out of the way for 20 years. We'll see what he happens. He tried to keep. No, he, he didn't want Brady to go. It yeah. was the other guy. Well, your we'll boy. See, we'll see. Uh, it was your guy. We'll it was see, your guy. We'll see what happens. He here, didn't want Brady to go. Did he, he did the story how they met and how they teared up and everything? He didn't want to let him go. I mean, I didn't really have an issue with letting Brady go. Oh, I did. I mean, I think at this point the problem is there's no GM, there's no direction. Uh, it's it's going to be a mess. We'll see though. You know, it, to me, it's like what happened with the Chicago Bulls when they broke up that team. Boy, did you see what happened last Friday, Mark? Sad, so sad ago. story. Oh, sad, sad story. Maybe we'll reference it in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. Ooh, a tease. Yeah, it's really sad what happened. Chicago fans uh, talk about the oh, Philly fans. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Terrible, I did see that. terrible what happened. All right. I guess we'll get to that. Matt Cohen's going to talk some more when we come back. Mike Rodak on uh, Alabama at 830. And, of course, in between all that, we'll talk to you. It's hour number three. Coming up, the opening kickoff on this Monday. Hang with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Yep, here we are. Another hour of the opening kickoff is upon us. Thanks for hanging with us as we uh, anticipate. What are we calling it? The deep freeze of 24? we got to come up with some sort of marketing term for the... got to be careful, though, because we don't want to interpret as Hugh Freeze, like uh, the, the Freeze 5 yeah, or I've anything like that. The I've Freeze 5. we got to be careful on that. Okay. I think that's a pretty But we're not segue. getting snow, right? No. Am I right? Correct on that. We're that not is, getting snow. That is correct. Apparently, I tell you too what, though, cold for snow. When I went out the other day, you know, early in the morning, it it was a lot of frost on the ground, so it came close, but not. Stay away. Meteorologist Lee Shervanian gave us an stay away from right. the weather over the weekend. Yeah, I saw what was what show was I watching? Oh, it was uh, your buddy there, uh, McAfee. They had Jim Cantor. My buddy. Your buddy Cantor was on the show. He and I are tight. 
Jim the weatherman was on the show. It was yeah. funny to watch. It was good. Uh, Matt Cohen's with us right now from AL.com. Matt, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. How are you guys? What a weekend of basketball. Did you go to the women's game yesterday? I was not at the women's game, but I but I was I was watching it quite closely, and that is such a monumental win for that program. <laughs> well, LSU. They had won 16 in a row. They're averaging 93 points a game, and they only had 62 yesterday. Yeah, I mean, this Auburn women's team has been on, I believe that they started the season kind of entering conference play at one of their, I think, matching last year's record for, for just one of their best starts um, in, you know, in program history. And this has been a, a team that has been building up slowly. Uh, and, and I think that this win was kind of that, like, I mean, I guess signature would would be the right word to use, and and I think just like in front of also a record crowd yesterday, I believe it was I was seven thousand plus. I think it was the largest crowd for a women's game in Neville Arena history. Stuff like that does not come around every day, and and that for for Auburn to capitalize on that moment is going to be a lot of momentum for that team going forward. You know what I found? Not, not just for, for this season, but just generally for women's basketball in Auburn. So I was watching the uh, the men's game, and it was they had, what, about 28-point lead on Saturday, and LSU whittled it down to, I don't know, 10, 9, something like that. But after the game, Katie Johnson was interviewed on the SEC Network or whatever. He only had one basket in the game. <laughs> he had one dunk. He was one for six shooting, but he's the guy they interviewed. Uh, yeah, actually, I had I, I did not know that they did on the SEC Network. Um, the the I mean, Katie is always is always fun to uh, to talk to, so he might he might be just a good choice to to say something fun. You know, Matt, the reason that when I, I went ahead, like, you know, basketball, we certainly going to get, you know, heavy into in the, in the coming weeks. But I wanted to ask you about all the changes with the Auburn coaching staff right now uh, and the news with the football. You could start out with Jacklis Hunter is coming back. But Carnell Williams and Zach Edwards leaving. What does that how does that impact going forward, recruiting down the way, down the road? Uh, what, and you're, you're looking for new coordinators. Could you just bring us up to date? Sure. So, kind of on the on the defensive side first. So, with Zach Etheridge leaving, Auburn's already filled that spot. So, they hired Charles Kelly, who was a defensive coordinator at Colorado um, last season. is is an Auburn alum. He was he you know he played here as a defensive back. And what makes Charles Kelly stand out in terms of mentioned recruiting, he was the 2023 National Recruiter of the Year for 24/7 Sports's rankings. He is an unbelievable recruiter. I think he has has like been the primary or secondary recruiter on nine different five star commitments over his time as a college coach. He's going to be the he, he's going to help coach the defensive backs, and he's also listed as the co defensive coordinator. And that title is interesting because Auburn doesn't have another co defensive coordinator. At least that that that's been announced at this point. So that would seem to suggest that someone else is still coming. Who that necessarily will be is is unclear. Um, they, it looked at one point like Auburn may have to replace both its secondary coaches because Wes McGriff, who had been here and was supposedly going to Texas A&M, Texas A&M actually announced him as a coach there. But there have been some rumors, and, and I, I 
this has been nothing that's been announced by Auburn yet. And, and so, I, again, this is nothing but a rumor at this point, um, but a rumor that he actually may not have signed a contract there and might be coming back to Auburn. Um, and I would think, and this is, again, this is just my opinion on this, but my guess would be why that happened is because Auburn fired defensive coordinator Ron Roberts, who it was known that that McGriff well, then fired, and it was kind of just a situation where he left for another job because just things weren't working out in Auburn. But but they never fired him. He he left for Florida. Um, it's kind of like that soft firing, I guess, of hey, go find another job. Um, but because he's leaving, it may have been a scenario where Wes McGriff could you know wanted to come back because he's close with Hugh Freeze and just didn't really get along with Robert, with Ron Roberts particularly well. So you have your secondary coach kind of filled out, assuming that's what happens with McGriff. Um, and then they're probably going to make some other defensive hire to, to take that defensive co- that co-defensive coordinator spot over that may end up being. With Cadillac, there's a lot of rumor involving that, a lot of speculation involving that, and I'm not going to get into it because I don't know what, what can be confirmed and what can't be confirmed, and, and that would be um, poor reporting on my part if I were to get into that. But um, basically, he kind of a similar situation. He's looking um, for other jobs. It could be in the NFL. It could be elsewhere in college. We'll see what happens on that front. Um, Auburn, supposedly there was a rumor, and, and who knows what's happening at this point with that, but uh, Derek Nix, who's been the wide receivers coach and the running backs coach at Ole Miss, has been generally regarded as the favorite to be the new offensive coordinator after Philip Montgomery was fired. Uh, he has spent so much time as a running backs coach at Ole Miss. He was Hugh Freeze's running backs coach at Ole Miss. So that would seem like the natural fit to both take the running back spot that Cadillac left as well as um, – as well as being the new office coordinator. And, and Nix is a much better recruiter than Cadillac ever was. Like, Cadillac himself was helping recruiting, but his own recruiting resume was, was fine. Like, every running back on Auburn's roster right now was a Cadillac recruit. Uh, but I, I think Derek Nix would be pretty consensusly regarded as a better recruiter should that end up being the name Auburn goes with. Um, and I say that tentatively because uh, – Lane Kiffin's actually been doing a lot of online trolling about Derek Nix to Auburn. Um, he's obviously is aware of what the speculation is of what the, the links to the job have, have been. And he's been tweeting out all these, like, Derek Nix is still in Oxford type things and very in the way that only, you know, Lane can. So who knows if he's just, like, trolling or, or what. But that's kind of, the, I guess, the update on, on the coaching search there. Hey, let me ask you, and I, I sound – I kind of sound naive in this, but, you know, I, I see these stories, you're a great recruiter, this, brought this in, and so forth. In this day and age, don't you pretty much, when you recruit, just say, hey, look, we're going to offer you $1.5 million and kind of leave it at that? I mean, obviously, there's, there's more to it than that, because just because there are, are people who, if you just look at their resumes, they're better than others at it. And in this day, you know, you look at, you know, Brian Harson, for example, like he he was in the, that same NIL era, and that just was not a staff that recruited. They, they just did not do a good job. Um, so it, it, it takes it's money's a part of it these days, and and it's hard to say without obviously being in those living rooms with the parents, with the coaches, um, exactly what happens in some of those conversations. It, it, so much of that is something I'm fascinated by because it's. Um, you know, it's like, like those those conversations in living rooms and in kitchen tables and, and on re- official visits are not what they used to be. And I would love to know kind of 
how that's changed for coaches and, and just the, you know, so much of the money is like is rumor numbers or, or what. And I would and like, there's just so, there's uh, that part is fascinating to me is anything really involving like the finances of it all. Um, but obviously I think, you know, because at this day and age too, because every school is offering money, how do you pick between three different schools that are offering you $1.5 million? So there's an element of that that kind of gets in, in, involved with it. Obviously, Hugh Freeze himself is very focused on recruiting, but that's why you're going out and you're getting some of these guys like Charles Kelly that have such a strong history because Hugh Freeze is going to step back from recruiting a little bit going into next season. So he needs someone to fill that spot. I think that's kind of why they're looking that general direction with these I'm doing air quotes, elite recruiters. Uh, Matt Cohen's our guest here on WNSP. How, I mean, it might be too early to say, but how at all, uh, if at all, does the change in Tuscaloosa impact Auburn uh, from a recruiting standpoint? Is it better, worse, and different? So I think the immediate change there is, oh, my God, they're not playing Nick Saban next season. And yeah. that's going to take like, a whole whirlwind to begin with. Um Kalen DeBoer has is, is going to become a better recruiter than than he. I mean, he has not ever had been in a, a situation where he's had to have a top recruiting class ever. Like Washington is a good recruiting school, but you've never really seen Washington go up there and compete with the SEC schools. He, he's been so good at developing players that he's gotten and, and taking a three star and making them into this superstar. Uh, Michael Penix being a prime example of that, and. and um, so I, I think you're, you're going to see him, obviously, at Alabama, going to have to change from the fact that you you know, you know cannot recruit a, th- a three-star and develop them at Alabama. That's not going to work. So you're, you're going to see him hire a staff that, that can recruit well. And purely by nature of the name on the front of your shirt, you're going to recruit a lot better immediately because it's still Alabama. It seems like, at least from what I've been reading, that Nick Saban was going to have a lot of impact on that. So it's not like you're not going to have Nick Saban kind of around the building. That matters to recruits. I'm, I'm sure it matters to recruits. Um, I think in the immediacy, Auburn Auburn is in a spot, I think, where they probably want to be in the spot in that moment when Nick Saban was fired because – I was not fired. Sorry, excuse me. Retired. Ooh, breaking news. Dealing with, with so many other, dealing with so many other firings here at Auburn. Um, the words are stuck in my head. Um, the um, I, I think Auburn had to be in a position where it was stable, and it's currently stable, at least from a head coaching standpoint. They, like when you when you brought in Hugh Freeze, you had to know that was going to be the guy that was going to be your head coach when Alabama enters that point of transition, and, and you have to be ready for that moment. And I think Auburn is mostly ready for that moment. They're dealing with some coaching turnover itself, obviously. Um, but I, I think you've got to capitalize, and because and you're going to see transfer portal guys leave, Ryan Williams being the obvious example here of the guy that you have you have to get Ryan Williams if you're Auburn. I, I think the obviously you know Kalen DeBoer is still going to try to get him to come back. They're going to have a good staff. It's still Alabama. Like you have, it's like it's not like they're out of the running. But if you're Auburn, you have to get Ryan Williams. This has been the golden opportunity handed to you, and you have to take advantage of it. Hey, Matt, always uh, appreciate you coming aboard. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things Auburn. Yeah, so on on Twitter at Matt underscore Cohen underscore and come on over alwaysdale.com. We've got both your, your Nick Saban stuff as well as all the Auburn stuff going on over there. <laughs> hey, man, have a good week. We appreciate it. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, man. Matt Cohen, ladies and gentlemen. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather. Your phone calls are next. Mike Rodak on Alabama at 830. Continue uh, with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. We're just rolling along here on just a regular, ordinary Monday edition. Lots happened since our last uh, broadcast. We're trying to catch up. Stay with us. My name is David Palmer, and I'm on WNFC 105.5. Here, though, here's Prescott over the middle. It's going to be picked off, and no one in front of him. Darnell Savage. Touchdown. All right, 823, welcome back in. The opening kickoff. You guys can uh, jump in on a number of topics we've been discussing today. Alabama, of course, uh, the NFL. The fact that the shoveling going on at the stadium for the Bills before, before the Bills game, there's no – I just don't understand. I don't understand why anybody would want to sit in that. I mean, they're basically sitting – on ice. All right, let me tell hours. you this. Having worked up in Buffalo, it's a very hardy crowd. They don't care. Buffalo I, I fans. No, I'm serious. Buffalo fans are. They embrace the Bills. It doesn't matter uh, what the conditions are. I'd embrace them too, but I'd they, embrace them from home. Well, they'll be out there in full force. It's a community that basically they just. They just love their bills. And did, I mean, did you see the video oh, of yeah. them shoveling? Yeah. The, the, the offensive line were out. Help, the offensive line were out there helping them. Yeah. it's oh, crazy. And there was even talk of postponing it from today, but that was nixed, uh, obviously, because, you know, instead of, you want to get them ready for a case. Whoever, whatever team wins, get them ready for this weekend. But it was that bad. And I'm telling you, it must be pretty bad to postpone a sporting event because there have been sporting events, many that have gone on. And, of course, the concern about travel, people getting there. But I'm telling you, the Buffalo people, and unless you've worked up there and been a part of it, they don't care. They'll be there. We had now, an epic snow game robbed from us, man. It would have been so legendary. It'll, it'll still be similar to that today. There'll be a lot of snow out there. I don't know. if Is it still snowing up in, B- I, in Buffalo? I don't know if it's stopped. I mean, obviously, there's still snow. But you see the videos of the stadium yesterday? Oh, Inundated, huh? It would have been awesome. A winter wonderland. Yeah. What a thing. Taken from us. Uh, we, I teased about what happened in Chicago with the Bulls. They had their ring of honor on Friday night. Uh, they were going to, among the first ring of honor, uh, a number of uh, participants, including the 95-96 team. Now, uh, Jordan and Pippen did not show, and then Rodman didn't show. He, he said his weather concerns. I don't know what the deal was with Jordan and Pippen. Supposedly, there's a supposedly a rift between them. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But what happened there at the halftime, uh, Phil Jackson was there, and as they were calling out the names, uh, the GM, Jerry Krause, uh, his name was obviously mentioned, and the fans started booing, and his wife was there and got very emotional about it. Now, whether you like Jerry Krause or not, you got to give him his due, his credit, for putting that team together. He did not draft Jordan, uh, but he did put the rest of that team together with trades and, you know, the Pippen trade and, and, and getting Rodman, and the announcer, uh, Stacy King, I think it was, uh, really got into it with the, the Bulls fans for doing what they did, so how disrespectful it was on a night that was supposed to be really appreciated and really looked forward to that they would 
kind of mess it up by booing. Now, this is in Philadelphia. This is Chicago, and they booed Jerry Krause's name, and, and his wife got very, very visibly shaken by it. So that was the story with at the United Front. Odd to boo a, uh, a dead guy. I'm sorry? Odd to boo a very. dead guy. Yeah, and especially, you know, exactly. You know, it's something like this. I Even in Philadelphia, I don't know, do they do things like that? And that's got the city of... You know, that's got the reputation for booing. By the way, the Bulls lost the game anyway. <laughs> so they lost that. Uh, obviously, the, 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 a lot of people are embarrassed by what happened uh, with a few fans, you know, booing and so forth. And, you know, and, and the three main cogs didn't even show up. Yeah, the Jordan documentary that came out a couple of years ago, The Last Dance thing, it really, you know, put a lot of that blame on, on Jerry Krause, which – right or wrong uh you know it's uh you know kind of all that blame falls on someone who isn't here to defend themselves it's it's a tough spot here's the problem well one of them not one of many you know jordan used to make fun of kraus all the time yeah i mean and jordan could get away with it obviously he made a lot of fun of him uh he was you know, on bus trips and things like that, you know, there was always, you know, j- uh, critis- you know, jibes from Jordan and back of the bus. What Krauss wanted to do, and I don't know, and, and I'll agree with that, that, you know, I, like, you should have stayed with the team for another year. You may have won another championship. It all started because Krauss wanted to replace Phil Jackson. Why? I don't know. I don't know if Eagles were involved. Get rid of Phil Jackson. And once that happened, then the rest of the stars started to, you know, move on. I think we uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about the biggest issue there, that why Jordan and Pippen weren't there. They might be on the outs. Could it have anything to do with the fact that Jordan's son is dating and engaged to Pippen's ex-wife? Could be. Pippen, like, calls Jordan overrated now. It's, yeah. it's something. <laughs> All right. Pippen's uh, bitter. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that out, Maybe Mark. rightfully so. I'm glad you brought that out to shed light on it. Yeah. Uh, Mike Rodak is going to join us next. We'll talk some Alabama. Stay with us right here on Sports Station WNSP. One of the few places, maybe the only place, that I would have ever left coach at because I understand what Alabama football is all about and those those guys that I sat in front of a room yesterday I know what they're going through because I saw the same thing less than 24 hours ago to me that was probably the best part of the 19 minute whatever spiel my question though is is it really the only I mean how many there's probably a handful of places I think coaches have to say that I mean, are you going to tell me that he wouldn't have said that if 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 he had well, what if been he, sitting in front of people in Ann Arbor or? Well, what if he took over at Massachusetts Austin? or well, Connecticut, yeah. where they never win? Yeah, I don't think that would have been an issue. <laughs> uh, Mike Rodak, who is with us quite often when it comes to Alabama, twenty four seven. Mike, good morning. How are you today? Good, good. How are you? Great to have you. By the way, was Nick Saban was he sitting in the chair that was reserved for you? That you should have been in that front row? <laughs> no, no. We had a, uh, a couple rows in the back. Yeah, I'm wondering, that, uh, where were you guys? I didn't see you. They, I mean, they call it a news conference. It's it's really a, it's like a ceremony. It's, yeah. uh, 
you know, Chris Stewart emceed it and Byrne had a speech and DeBoer had a speech, but we weren't really there to ask questions in that particular part of it. It was more the trustees and, you know, whatever other VIPs were there, including Saban and, and Miss Terry. But, you know, the actual news conference happened later um, downstairs. So <laughs> we were just kind of uh, observers to that part of it. I could have sworn I saw Nick switching name tags there on the chairs there before it started, but I could have been wrong. Hey, Mike, Mark had a pretty good <laughs> idea. Do you think it would have gone better if Nick Saban had introduced the coach and then left right after that? Um, no, we were debating that before. Um, it's kind of among our staff here. Like, should Nick Saban even be there? I yeah. think was our question. Um, just because I think, you know, there's going to be a sensitivity to, and I'm sure he will, you know, be very um, cognizant of, him, of, of it himself. You don't want to be too overbearing. You don't want to be too present um, where it seems like, you know, you're still running the show. Um so, I mean, there's different arguments to be made. You can say, like, you know, passing of the torch, like you said, maybe introduce him and here's the next coach and you disappear, you know, kind of symbolically. Um, or you just kind of – you're there, but you kind of stay out of the way. Um, I mean, there's there's different different arguments for and against it. Um, but, you know, I think fans love it because I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like, all right, he's still around, he's still there, he's still going to influence things. Um, but – Again, I think any new coach coming in wants to be able to have room to breathe and to do their own thing and to implement their own ideas and system and philosophy. And I don't think you want the old guy, the former guy, to be hovering over you. Um, and I think DeBoer said the right things in terms of, you know, 100% access and I want a piece of advice from him every day. Um, but I, I honestly don't even know if Saban will do that because I think Saban's going to be very careful to be around too much. And he does have the office there, but I'm sure he's going to spend a lot of time on the golf course or in Florida or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, again, I think he's if, – if he was in that same spot, and let's say, you know, just hypothetically Bear Bryant was still alive, I don't think he would have wanted Bear Bryant to be – around um as much like i think he would want to do his own thing i'm sure kaylin DeBoer wants a little bit of room to breathe himself so what was the i mean the overall reaction to DeBoer's comments i know you guys got him after the fact but i think he said he's like to your point i think he said all the right things i think he articulated i do think he went a little long but all in all i i mean i i, I mean I, I guess an a you give him an a for presentation yeah, you know, high Bs. I think, you know, you could tell he was tired and, um, you know, kind of rambled a little bit and, you know, kind of wandered a little bit in his thoughts. But, again, I I don't know if that really means anything at the end of the day. I think it's just, you know, just a, a product of t- two or three days ago. I'm sure he wasn't even thinking about doing this or, you know, at, at that point, two or three days ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's – I never try to read too much into the introductory press conferences and kind of the initial – feel of, you know, did this guy win it or lose it or whatever it might be? Because I remember, like, the two other new coaches I've hired were Rex Ryan, or not I've hired, but I've been around when, when <laughs> they were hired, were Rex Ryan and uh, Sean McDermott in Buffalo. And polar opposites in terms of, like, Rex Ryan came out boisterous in his press conference and how much he's, he's going to love Buffalo and he loves the city. And he got his, his pickup truck wrapped with the Bills logo. And everybody was, oh, this guy, like, he's one of us. Like, he's embracing it. And he was fired within two years, and it was just a complete flop. Yeah. And then Sean McDermott was much more, um, 
kind of controlled, you know, disciplined, um, you know, much more low key. And people are like, who, you know, who is this guy? Like, you, he has no personality. And he's been there for seven years now and has gone to the playoffs, I think, five times. So, I mean, it's just you never can really read too much into the, the introductory press conference to me. Mike, I'm going to uh, just uh, get off the tracks just for a second. We'll get back to Alabama because I want to find out about what you think about their coaching staff. But And I'll forget. That's why I want to ask because Mark brought up why would anybody want to go out today to see the Bills play in the stadium because of the snow and everything? I tried to explain the, the one year I was up there working. That is just a different breed of people. They're, they're very hardy. They don't care what's there. They're going to support their Bills. You covered the Bills. What do you think? Oh, yeah. There's a point of pride in terms of, like, we're going to show up when it's like that. And, you know, they're so used to it. I mean, I don't know what the exact snow totals were. It looks like it was maybe foot and a half, two feet, something like that. I mean, I was there when they had seven feet um, in oh, no the span way. of, like, three days in 2014. And they had to move the game. <laughs> they had to go to Detroit. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was kind of everybody just kind of deals with it. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're shoveling out the stadium and um, – you know, saw the guy sliding down the snow sled without yeah. a shirt on, and I'm sure the game will be pretty <laughs> raucous this afternoon. But yeah, it's uh, it's just a way of life, and I think people, um, again, kind of really take it as a point of pride. All right, let's get back to the okay, the introductory press conference. That's one thing, and it's all you know, all stands good. But now comes the nitty gritty, keeping players from exodus from leaving and so forth. Give us your take, and you you said you had a news conference afterwards. What makes you believe that his coaching staff and the people he's brought in is going to be able to come in, keep players in the program, and or recruit very well around the Southeast? Well, that's still an open question. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say I'm not convinced, but I, you know, I think it's still something we're going to have to watch and see how it all plays out. Um, I, I do think it was necessary and probably something that Greg Byrne, I think, not pushed on him, but I think strongly hinted that he should have a couple of those guys on his staff that have experience around here. And um, it seems like he's done that so far with um, Freddie Roach and, and Robert Gillespie. So that's a good start. And uh, we'll have to see where all this rumor and smoke about Tavares Robinson potentially you know, leaving Georgia that he just got hired by and maybe coming back. That's not something I can – fully confirm yet but i think that would help as well in terms of a guy that um you know has sec ties but at the end of the day i mean you're still you know you're still recruiting three states mostly like florida texas california that's if you're any sort of major college program that's where you're recruiting maybe georgia too i think has kind of creeped into that category so you can have sec ties but at the end of the day the top 10, 20 teams in college football are all recruiting the same guys in the same places. So um, it's it's about that and it's about NIL and how much can you pay guys. And it doesn't really matter who you have on your staff. If you don't have the resources NIL-wise to get new guys to come or to retain the guys on your roster, then that's an issue regardless. So, um, you know, Alabama's NIL, as I've mentioned before, is lag behind some of their you know, kind of elite competitors. And um, I think they've made a really strong push the last week, last two weeks even. I think right after the Rose Bowl, they came out with a video talking about how important it was for fans to donate. And then they made another push after DeBoer was hired. And I think they've made some progress. But, you know, I heard from a guy close to a player yesterday who was saying, you know, there's pretty good offers out there for, for teams. And, you know, if trying to get the guy to go into the transfer portal um, and you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars doing it that way. And, 
Alabama is not able to really match that. And there's frustration, I think, among some current players that, you know, there's there's not the commitment financially from Alabama to keep some of them in place. So, again, it doesn't matter who you have on staff. It's um, how much can you pay these guys. That's kind of how the game is played now. Mike, uh, from a reporter standpoint, not not individually, personality-wise, what did you like about the hire and what didn't you like? Um, I think I liked that it was someone that was kind of on the beaten path. I mean, it's even though it's a guy from Washington and you're kind of going to the West Coast and it wasn't really somebody anybody knew a year ago, you just hired a coach of the year. So if you think, all right, the Alabama job is open, who do you look to? Well, the coach of the year. So it is almost like a, a logical, um, you know, you didn't go too outside of the box in, in doing that. And I think that was one where uh, I don't think Greg Byrne could have should have really overthought it. I don't, I don't think he did. You know, And the other guy I think they were really strong on was Mike Norvell, who also won a few Coach of the Year awards. So there's eight total, I think. DeBoer won six and Norrell won two. Those were the two coaches they looked at. So um, it wasn't like they were trying to go to left field to get a coach. And I know people, you know, I think wanted maybe Lane Kiffin. I don't think that was ever going to happen. I, there was maybe some people who still wanted Dabo. That wasn't going to happen. Um, and, you know, it was never going to happen with Kirby Smart. I think there was maybe a small chance that Steve Sarkeesian would leave, but ended up not happening. So you kind of eliminate some of those other guys, and those are your two best coaches out there. But, again, I think the thing that you still have to wonder about is the recruiting aspect and is the NIL aspect and how it all works in terms of, um, you know, you're competing against a really tough SEC now. And coaches like Brian Kelly and Kirby and Sark that are probably going to beat you for some players. And how does he respond to that? And can he overcome that with his own coaching abilities? He's Mike Rodak. He joins us here on WNSP. I'll go back to my original point and uh, about Saban. I'm curious, two-parter, did you guys get a chance to talk to Saban on that day, one? And two, I know you had the cheap seats, so you couldn't uh, – did you get a good glimpse of Saban? What was kind of his reaction during the press conference? And the only reason I ask that is because the few still frames I saw or anytime they panned to him – I made this comment earlier, Mike. He he just seemed I don't know if indifference the right word. He 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 and Miss Terry both had kind of like defensive like postures. I, I don't know. They just it it just seemed like he was grumpy from the still shots I saw. I was just wondering if you could shed some light on that. Yeah, we didn't really see him um because we were behind him. Yeah. And so I just I saw the back of his head most of the time and honestly I was probably looking at my laptop typing away most of it, but um, I did see some of those pictures, and yeah, I mean, it's, I say funny, because like, that one picture of him sitting there, and then you see the people in the background, and they're all kind of have these long faces. Right. <laughs> like, I, you don't really know what was happening on stage at that particular moment, what was being said, and um, you know, it could have been the part where he's you know, emotional at the end, or whatever sure. the case may be, so you don't really know the context of some of those pictures, but um, you know, it it's one of those things like I it's hard to again read too much into that and you know he doesn't like the hire or he wasn't impressed or whatever the case may be I think you know it it just sometimes when you're sitting it's like sitting in church like you might not be smiling and and all that doesn't mean you're necessarily mad at what's happening so um I don't know but in terms of like Saban actually talking he didn't talk to us um and you know I've I don't think he's going to be all that vocal. I think he's, again, going to be very aware of trying to say too much uh, about what's going on at Alabama and, and being that, 
making all these headlines on Alabama's doing this wrong or whatever the case may be. Now, he may be on college game day, and that may be kind of part of his job description. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But you know, the, the only part of the press conference that I kind of cringed a little bit was when DeBoer was talking about um, not wanting to put words in Saban's mouth in terms of uh, you know being the intentionality of his retirement. And it's like, we just know from covering him for X number of years, like the last thing you want to do is put words in Nick Saban's mouth. Um, and so that's, uh, it got slightly awkward for all of about five seconds there. But, but, but you guys, um, you, guys that, have, yeah. you guys have never had a chance to actually talk to Saban, though, since the uh, announcement of his retirement, though, right? Nope. Nope. It was very, uh, I mean, the only two people that have spoken to him that have done interviews are Chris Lowe and uh, Reese Davis, which if you asked me five years ago, <laughs> who would be the two people that he would do interviews with after he retired? And those would be my two answers. So um, not a, a shred of uh, surprise on, on my end there. And I think that's kind of how he wanted it is, is very controlled. And again, he has a pretty long-standing relationship with Chris Lowe. Chris Lowe also has a long-standing relationship with Jimmy Sexton. Um, and I think it's, there's a level of familiarity and I guess trust in terms of the, the questions that are asked and the story that's written um, in that case, as opposed to sit, you know standing at a podium and, and taking questions from you know the, the media at large, which I don't think he's ever really going to do again. Um, I don't know if he'll ever hold a press conference again. So um, we'll see. I mean, he's going to obviously be on the radio and TV and stuff over time, I'm sure, but um, I don't think he's going to be all that vocal um, in the next few months. Mike, if you look back on Washington's success, the key players offensively, Penix, uh, the receiver, and the running back, they were all transfers. So is that how this current coaching staff is going to have to approach at least the rest of this year, is to really hit the transfer portal hard? Do they have to do that, thinking back to what they have coming back? Um, I think to some extent they might need to, but... I mean, it's all going to depend on how many more guys they lose. And I do think that's still an open question because I, I think there's some guys, like I said, that are not necessarily all that happy um, and still kind of wondering, you know, what the coaching staff's going to look like, what their NIL is going to look like, et cetera. So if they lose more guys, then that opens up more spots. But right now, even with the 22 guys they've lost to the portal and 12 guys they've lost to the draft, they're still at like 82 scholarships, 81 scholarships, I think, right now. So – it's not like they have a ton of space. You can maybe add a few guys as it stands, and that might have to wait until the spring transfer window, which opens April 16th, uh, because there's not a, a very many guys in the portal right now other than maybe a few of those Washington guys. And, yes, I think the main Washington guy to watch is Jabbar Muhammad, uh, the cornerback, who was very, very good for them last year. Alabama has an opening, you know, a starting corner. That would be a great addition for them if they can get them, but there's a lot of competition. So maybe a couple of the former Washington guys that are going to the portal right now, maybe a couple guys in the spring, but I would not imagine there's a big you know, um, push to, to bring in portal guys because they just don't have room on their roster right now. Mike, thank you so much, man. It's been a crazy year but from when you think about covering this team from, from where they started to getting to the college football playoff and then a coaching change. It's just been – it's nonstop, and I'm sure it's it's not going to help. It's not going to slow down any soon, anytime soon. How can, how can people continue to follow your coverage of it all? Yeah, it's been going pretty much nonstop since the day after Christmas. Um, Bama247.com, though, you can find us, and on X, uh, at Mike Rodak. Hey, have a great week. I uh, hope things slow down a little bit for you anyway. I, I, I. I hope. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. All right, man.
One final segment, closing up shop. We'll give you a sneak peek into tomorrow. Uh, you guys can jump in as well at 694-1055. The opening kickoff on a Monday before Armageddon or whatever we're calling this cold front coming through. Lee Shervanian going to be out there on Dolphin. Don't go out there. Street bare-chested, running around, celebrating. I'll only be running around if I forget my key to get in. Or we hide it. I don't know. I have a spare. <laughs> I do. I have a spare well hidden. <laughs> Stay with us one final second. This is TJ Mosley, inside linebacker, and you listen to the sports station, WNSP 100 how many of you guys have off how many of you guys are working but uh always appreciate your uh tuning in to listen to the opening kickoff and it is it is mlk uh martin luther king uh, holiday and uh, there's a lot of basketball going on mark as you know bishop state's got a few games going on today uh the baker lafleur matchup uh, looms large and then at the mitchell center alabama state and alabama a&m have a doubleheader uh men women and I believe it's Williamson and BC Rain, uh, the two programs there that are competing. So if you want to get out and enjoy some basketball, we suggest either or. By the way, uh, we had Dave Armstrong on on Friday. Their team did beat MGM. Yeah, they split. They had a, a they're, they're busy, man. They they beat MGM, which was a huge game, and then they turn around and they lost McAdory. to McAdory, which is a, a a big game in and of itself. And now they're back at it today. That's that's a whole lot of hooping right there. Three games and basically four days against very good competition. The the good thing is, and I've said this about, especially about high school basketball, nothing matters other than your area record. I mean, all the other stuff is window dressing for high school athletic association polls and all that, but none of none of it matters as long as you win the those six games and then go into your area tournament and advance. That's all that matters. So you could go. Oh, and 20, as long as you get those six wins, um, and, and you're good. So, no, but Baker, Baker got a huge win over MGM. MGM beat Fairhope, Baker beat, I mean, those three teams right now are, are legit. And that's basically it is in NCAA basketball when you get down to the uh, conference postseason tournaments. If you go 0 and 20, it's rare, but every now and then a team that has a bad record will get hot and win three games, you know, the one bid league. And get a bid to the NCAA tournament. It has happened. It's rare, but it does happen. Uh, Michael, uh, you're okay with the uh, hiring at Alabama football? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was Greg Burns' first choice, if he's to be believed. I mean, based on all the rumors, I really liked the idea of Dan Lanning. It was never possible. I don't think he was ever offered the job. What Like, if I was making the hiring, I could have had anyone. You said anyone taken would have taken the job. I probably would have hired Dan Lanning, uh, but that was never possible, and I think uh, DeBoer was at the top of the list. He would have been one of my top choices as well. I think, uh, obviously, recruiting is going to be the question that that is asked. Uh, you need to continue to assemble the defensive staff. It's not sounding great on Tavares Robinson, what we talked about earlier, uh, but we'll see what happens with the rest of the defensive staff. Got to be able to recruit, but... The guy wins football games, so I'm excited about it. I think uh, I think he's going to kill it. I think they should bring a high school coach in to help 
Don't you? Sure. And I'm not talking about on the field. I'm talking about in the capacity like high school coaches are brought in uh, administratively uh, to help out with recruiting and so forth. And it wouldn't hurt, I guess, if they added another member of Nick Saban. Are they all gone except for Gillespie and uh, Roach? Yeah, uh, for now. Oh, uh, they are. Okay. Barring a last-second miracle with uh, T-Rob. But like I said, it's not looking great there. All right, got a little NFL tonight, today too. Got a doubleheader now. Uh, originally just a single game, but now a doubleheader. So there's that. So you got that going for you. If if you are working, maybe you, maybe you knock off a little early and head to the house. I just hope the games are more competitive. We have only of the four playoff games, only one has been really a good competitive game. The 24-23 Detroit win. The others have been routes, which really surprised me. I thought we'd have better games. So I'm hoping today's games are games that I want to stick around for the fourth quarter. Cool. By the way, very cool story, Detroit. All right. It, it had a little bit of a college football feel to it because the NFL sometimes can be so emotionless. And I, and I don't mean as far as the players hooping and hollering when they scored all that. Like, we, we get all that. And the, you know, they're excited after wins. You see locker room footage all the time. But the magnitude of that win for Detroit kind of resonates with so many people that watch football on other levels. And, and so that was, that was really a – that was a cool moment. That really was. I think they panned that one guy that was basically in tears. Yeah. Uh, and the, I mean, that was kind. Of, that was cool. Like, as, as a Saints guy, I can relate to that. For you sure. know, all the criticism that Jared Goff took coming out of California and going into the pros. Did you hear after after the game in the locker room after his presser? He came in and the team started chanting Jared, Jared. Did you did you catch that at all? I heard it on uh, the show that leads into ours this morning. That was must have been for him, really, because when the trade was made, everybody thought the Rams got easily the best of the deal, even though Goff went in a couple of draft picks. Because I don't think anybody thought Goff would still be quarterbacking the Lions to this point, but he's had a really, really good year, and, and kudos to him and the rest of the Lions. I'm with you, Mark. The state of Michigan's got a lot to be proud of the last couple of weeks. They don't, they may not even men they might even seem to matter or mind if the Pistons go on another losing streak. Or, Hell, they might or, welcome it. Or if Harbaugh leaves. Do you think or, the Pistons... Oh, yeah, so we got to keep an eye yeah. on Harbaugh for sure. Yeah, do you but, think the Pistons get to 10 wins this year? They're right now at three? Yeah. Maybe not. I don't think anybody cares at this point. There's too much to celebrate. All right, that does it for another edition. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, the, the final drive at 3 o'clock. But uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 6. Until then, see ya! Yeah.